0: I, honest, I love my friends and I love my family and I do everything I can for them. And I want an environment, a world where your characters are together. They could be some backstabbing. There can be some craziness going on, but I want an environment where you feel like it's not necessarily you against the world, but it's, these are the people you trust. Right. And they're close to you. And this is your gaming group.
1: You're going to be able to hear it uh, during this interview, how much fun I had sitting down with uh, Brett from Gaming and BSN talking about role playing games as well as his very unique uh, Dungeons and Dragons 5E setting of Streets of Avalon. Brett's approach to role-playing and his depth of knowledge about uh, all of the iterations and history of role-playing is uh, something to witness. We talk about Streets of Avalon. We talk about uh, what's happened in the uh, role-playing industry over the last 15, 20 years. And uh, we even get into some approaches and tips on uh, running games. As a quick heads up, uh, this has a little bit more adult language than you normally hear on this podcast. uh, So think carefully before you let the kids listen. Anyway, sit back, relax, relax and enjoy my time with Brett. Playing a tabletop strategy game allows you to unplug and test your skills against friends. Every week, Third Floor Wars delivers useful strategies, discussions, battle reports, and reviews to tabletop games like Malifaux. If you want to get better at the games you already play or discover the games other people are playing, you are in the right place. Craig and Ray welcome you to the third floor and the Tabletop Talk Broadcast. Craig here on the third floor. Today's guest is Brett Blakzinski of the Gaming and BS podcast. Now, as I returned to role-playing games, I scoured for a handful of podcasts. And I'll tell you right now, there's no shortage of podcasts about (laughs) role-playing games. And there's a lot of ones that I listened to one episode and I dropped it. Um, But that didn't happen with Gaming and BS. Uh, Both Brett and Sean put out what I think is probably the best podcast that I had... Uh, have come across for role-playing games um both of them are super knowledgeable uh they bring on uh good topics good guests um they have regular releases and uh what i like the most about the podcast is every episode gives me something to to work with something to get better with um so if you play rpgs and don't listen to their podcast you're missing out uh brett is also the creator and author behind the fantasy setting streets of avalon so brett welcome to the third floor hey man how you doing craig Good, 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 good. So you're going to go through the normal routine that I give all my uh, first-time guests, and that's uh, figuring out um, when you found games. So there was a day where you didn't know you could roll dice and pretend to be other people, and then all of a sudden you found it. So what was that day where you found it for the first Um, time?
0: It's third grade. My buddy Todd Thompson has a birthday party, and I'm going to a small um, parochial grade school, um, Lutheran school, and we all go to Todd's house for sleepover. like, okay, cool. So it's me. One of the guys, small school, that could stay overnight. The other kids had other shit to do, whatever. So we're over there. And Todd convinced his brother Terry, older brother, he's going to run this Dungeons & Dragons thing. I'd never heard of it, had no idea. He just said, D&D, what's that? (laughs) So uh, we rolled up a bunch of crazy characters that had like 20 stats and just weirdness, and Terry threw crazy stuff at us. I was a paladin. I remember distinctly being terrified of the anti-paladin that that came to fight us, and uh, we fought and defeated Tiamat and we destroyed gods and it was insane. That's back when I thought magic missile meant like a ICBM, you know, I didn't understand <laughs> what that meant because I'm in third grade, you know, sure. I have no idea. And uh, by that point I'd already read the Hobbit and stuff. So I'm like, Oh, it's a lot like that. Cause my mom was a huge Tolkien fan still is. So that was, it, that was it for me third grade. And then, um, ever since that point, as I tell my other podcast partner, Sean, I've been gaming essentially nonstop since third grade. That's one, way or, one way or another, you know, it may not be every week, every weekend, but once a month, whenever we could get together at Todd's house. And then when I got into middle school, high school, finding more and more people that were into it, which back in the 80s, 90s, wasn't as easy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. You, you didn't walk around and say, hey, I play Dungeons and Dragons.
1: <laughs> it was, like, it was, like, it was yeah. like smoking cigarettes behind the high school. You kind of yeah, nudged exactly. people. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't a huge
0: popular kid in high school, which a lot of folks aren't. I mean, I mean, that's no big story there, but it was kind of, you know, you're shy and you're not quite sure what to do and what what you're into and how do you find people who are into the thing you are? Because it's kind of weird, hard to explain. Yeah. Yeah. It's been since third grade. And then I got, I wanted my own box, my own set of stuff. So I go into a KB toy store in a mall, Wausau Center Mall, and uh, I see... There's all these hardbacks for advanced, which is what I remember playing. We're like, holy shit, they're fifteen bucks a piece. Which at the time is like, whoa, twenty <laughs> yeah, bucks? Like, yeah. Are you kidding me? Um, and there's a box set, Red Box Mensner, and I'm like, yep. oh, this is everything. Yeah, it's only first couple levels, but it's everything to get me started. I had no clue there was a difference between D and D and A D and D at the time, right? So I got that as with some birthday money, and um, then I started game mastering for my family my dad my mom my sister my dad wasn't really for his thing he's more of a poker pinochle kind of guy my mom loved it because it reminded her again of the hobbit and no kidding my sister dug it and then uh i eventually found star frontiers yeah and then middle earth role playing by iron crown enterprises which was to this day i have no idea how i ever worked my way through those rules very difficult those
1: books were amazing but brutal (laughs) (laughs)
0: They're very brutal. Yeah. So that was, I was like the Merp guy for my home group for a long time. And then, uh, as things progress through, you end up, uh, running, running stuff in my home group right now. I've been with the same core group of guys for over 25 years.
1: That's amazing. That's amazing.
0: We play at least once a month. So,
1: so a lot of times when I hear this story and my story is, is, is similar, um, there's there's i took a break period in there but it sounds Mm -hmm. like that didn't really happen to you that this was pretty much a constant the whole time
0: yeah i i did everything i could to scrounge games to find people to do it this is apart from let's see here i've i have i've ridden motorcycle i've been able to do that for a lot throughout my life and then uh as you if you follow sean i you know sean had an accident a number of years ago and he was one of the main guys i rode with and for good reason. He's like, you know what? I think I need to hang it up for a while. I'm like, yeah, yep. you know, my wife's getting nervous riding bike. I've, I have put on over 100,000 miles on two wheels. Fuck it. I'll put that aside. So throw the bike, throw the bike away. But I have hunted, been in martial arts and gaming longer than anything. Actually, gaming has been the longest thing I've ever done.
1: That's incredible.
0: It's the, it's the hobby that's just stuck with me. My The main reason my home group is still around after 20, 25 years is because I won't let it go. <laughs> when, I, when I moved from my hometown, I moved, I'm actually back in my hometown of Wausau now, but when I moved from Wausau to Madison for college, uh, everybody's like, oh, I guess this is the end of the game. I'm like, oh no, once a month I'm coming back.
1: No kidding. But like, really?
0: Yeah. Because I'm like, my folks are still up there. A lot of my friends were up there. So yeah. once a month I would drive back home, two and a half hours. We'd get together Friday night, go out to the bar, wake up hungover Saturday. By noon, we were ready to go. And we'd start at five at night on that Saturday and go till about midnight, one in the morning. Sure, sure. Yeah, sure. that was just running. At that point, it was a lot of White Wolf, a lot of Vampire the Masquerade. That was like yeah. the big one. That was huge for us. Did that. Had a 15-year-long World of Darkness campaign series of different adventures and things. They all tied up and it was madness. That's crazy. But uh, yeah, it's, it's. I really didn't take a break. I mean, even now when I'm moving or I've had surgery and stuff, it just it slows me down. But it's like, okay, when are we back? Let's get back in this. I, I just won't let it die.
1: So when adult Brett looks back at... Third grade brat, high yeah. school brat, college brat, <laughs> driving two and a half hours <laughs> to get drunk and play games. What was it, man? So when you look back on it, what was it back then that 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 it kept its hooks in you, and you know it's still part of your life now?
0: I think the the most enjoyable part for me is one. I, I've every good friend I have I've met through this. Wow. I mean, Sean, my podcast partner, is a really one of my best friends now, and all of the friends that I have that are solid in my life when I'm moving pack my house and move up. Yep. My gaming group descends on where my moving truck and we unload. We hang out together, we hunt together, we I my um my youngest son is named after one of my friends, my buddy Aaron who's uh, I've known for a very long time. He's gamer, you know, we all have that. But we're all friends outside of it as well. Right. You know, we we go to concerts, we do all this stuff, but that piece that camaraderie it's like a really cool thing but everybody i meet in that space we all love the same stuff right and that creativity is just i'm an it director so there's only so much creativity i can do in infrastructure you know servers are servers routers are routers networks are networks there's some creativity there but i get to make shit up yeah have it be a ton of fun and all those books i've read all of that stuff that I've gone through is like, I can do something similar to that. I've got this really cool idea for a story. I wonder how that'll play out. I've got a group of men and women who have gained with who can help me do that. (laughs) And it's just, it's really addictive. Yeah. It's super addictive. My kids love it. My, um, I've got five kids, um, one stepdaughter, and then, um, so that's Michaela, Rhiannon, Connor, AJ, and Alana. So Rhiannon will play Connor, AJ, and Alana all love to play yeah so whenever connor's home from air force he's active duty down in colorado whenever he's up it's you know we're making characters we're doing something it's just it's a blast it's so much fun and it's really it's enjoyable it's bizarrely relaxing it's yep. like you're like all energized you go through it and when i'm done i sound like i've been smoking marbles all day <laughs> like, Oh, it's wrong you sound terrible but i had so much fun and the crazy twists and turns and all the nutty shit that happens when the dice at the table, like, oh my
1: god, I never thought you'd roll three twenties in a row, and that's just—it's amazing. <laughs> It's—it's it's amazing to me how it just burns in memories. Um, mm-hmm. So I—I I gave up, I think, give it up. But I just—I wandered away from RPGs for twenty some odd years, right? And yeah, I'm just saying that's a long time. That's yeah, a, it's a long time, and um, got back into nerdum with uh, mini games, right? So uh, playing uh, Warhammer stuff like okay. that. Yep. Um and had a group of guys that, that I got that I geeked with on that stuff and uh whenever they would ask me, like, you know, what's your favorite like game? or your favorite gaming moment and even though i hadn't played role-playing games in 15 20 years it was always a role-playing game it was like yeah. there was this time where i was running a game and uh and it's it's amazing because you know as much as i love playing mini games but it doesn't burn in the memories the way it does with it and i had uh keith baker the guy that made uh, eberron i had yep. him on the show and he had the way he put it which i thought was interesting is he said you get a group of people together and create your own mythology
0: Yes, I had um I was very fortunate once uh, Sean and I got Ed Greenwood back at Game Con like 3 or 4 or something like that. We grabbed him and talked to him a while back. Some one of our bonus BS episodes I, I think still. And I remember I don't know if we caught on the mics or not, but he mentioned he said there's a there's a you had to be there thing that goes yeah. on and he said it's it's cliché to say But um, men and women who have served in the military have a thing like, look, I was there. There's no other story that anybody, you had to have been there to really understand it. And we all have those moments, whether it's in sports. um, And Ed said, yeah, there's sports stuff. There's stuff that happened at your high school, in your family, at that one trip you took to the lake. You had to be there. But by God, it's a great story. And we create that stuff at will. Yeah. Yeah. Every every time we get together, there's going to be one more of those you had to be there stories. And everybody who wasn't there listening to you talk about it is like man i wish i would have been there They're just <laughs> wow that sounds awesome i go to cons and people will, um the traditional thing at cons is like don't fucking talk to me about your character don't tell me about your campaign you hear that i don't mind yeah people come up and say hey this reminded me of this thing i'll listen some of the stories to me do indeed seem kind of boring or childish sure. or mundane but i'm looking at this person this this man this woman this this person talking to me and and they're like, this is amazing. Their eyes are alive. Yep. They're talking about this amazing thing they had. And even if it sounds like, I don't know if I'd like that, but I wish I was there just to see what happened. Because, wow, look at you. Look how intensely happy you are. This yeah. is so cool. And it again, we so we, cool. we create that shit at will. We sit yeah. down and we have that we have that weird ass GM screen, dice, cards, whatever it is you're using. And uh, we just create that stuff every time. Yeah. That's so much. Yeah. That's so much fun. It's so yeah, it's,
1: it's a good way to put it in and, and that bonding, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, which is really what you're saying there is, um, <laughs> yes, is very true. So when do you meet Sean, uh, who's the uh, who's your co-host on the podcast?
0: So I started working at a um, different IT company. God, it was, well, that's a, it's a job ago for me, job and a half ago. I was a contractor. I got in and I want to work full time uh, doing project management, program management at the time, and infrastructure stuff. And Sean's a, used to be a recruiter at the time. He was working for the company. And he says, hey... Um, I'm assigned to IT. I hear you're looking for a job. We sit down to talk. Sean just wants to get to know you, which he's really good at. And uh, it turns out he plays D&D. I play D&D. Oh, that's cool. So we tell stories. We have a good time. We get through the onboarding hire me process. And he's like, I'm like, look, man, no bullshit. Just tell me what the offer is. We go through all that. I'll never forget at the end of it. He's like, look, you told me you had to have this. Here's your offer. This is exactly what you wanted. If you don't take it, I hate you. I'm like, yes, yes, Sean, I have to take the offer. <laughs> and then he starts, we just start talking because he likes d and I like D&D. And when you're in a big corporate office, it's fun to go down to the lunchroom, wherever you're hanging out and have coffee, talk to somebody. Yeah. And he brings up that podcasting, cons, Gamehole Con 1, I think had been a thing or was about to be a thing. He knew Alex Kammer from there. There's a bunch of those cats. And then, have you ever thought about doing a podcast, Brett? I have no idea what that is, dude. I don't even listen to those. Oh, you should try this. So he works me for a couple months, probably. And we find, like, okay, so how would we do this? And we sit down and start talking about it. And he's like, look, I've done it before. I did Grumbling Dwarf, a few others. If it fails, it fails. Who gives a crap? I just think it'd be fun to do. I'm like, all right, let's try this. And uh, if you listen to our first stuff, it's not very good, obviously. The sound, <laughs> the sound isn't very isn't there yet. I'm probably wicked nervous because yeah. I don't know who's listening. You're terrified I'm going to say something that offend somebody. I still get worried about that sometimes, you know, but... At the end, of it, it was Sean's very persistent. Like, we, we could do this. It's just fun. Yeah. And I think the cool part was with Sean, as much like what you're doing here, is that this is going to be a conversation. And we tried to do it where what you and I are doing right now is that if there was another gamer listening to us at the bar, at the con, they just naturally move up. And we (laughs) didn't, we'd integrate that, that person and she'd be right in a a conversation with us. You know, if anybody else was listening to us and able to interact, they they just move right in. And we're next thing, you know, there's 16 of us all talking about this thing, you know?
1: Well, and you guys, you guys pretty much weekly um, oh yeah is when you put the show out you uh, yeah, we live... take
0: breaks when uh, Sean almost dies
1: or when I have surgery <laughs> other than that other than that it's really hard to stop us yeah it's really hard and you've got over 300 episodes which is crazy I mean I yeah. just put out my hundredth one and I can't imagine doing it th- as long as you have um has it what's changed for you as a content creator over those 300 episodes like when you think about what you guys are doing now versus 200 episodes ago has much changed or is it still pretty much the same show? I think it's
0: similar. A similar show. However, are our, our, uh, the BSers, the folks that listen to us, to interact with us, that ebbs and flows, right? We'll have some people who are really big. We just had one of our guys. We dubbed him uh, dubbed him our official archivist because for a while there, he would like go dark for like five shows and come back with like bam, 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 bam with these great questions. He's just this awesome guy. And uh, so the archivist came back on the last episode we recorded. We're like, hey man, how the hell are you? He had this big string like, hey, I'm doing some cool stuff. I haven't talked to you guys in a few years, but I'm I'm alive and well. It's like that's cool. He's like the yeah. the, the person who used to game with you is not there, so the uh, the audience has probably grown. I don't necessarily even remember how many downloads we get because we Sean I don't really care or pay attention to it. Sure, but the the interaction has improved. I think now when I say Eileen, if I say if I say Ange or um, Kojo and stuff, people know who that is because yep. those are folks who interact with us regularly. And our forums are pretty active, you know. that's not like crazy, and I think it's a tribe thing. There's it a is. there's a there's a, a got a business author, Seth Godin, I believe is his name. They had a book called Tribes, and I, I read that ages back. Um, I don't normally read office books because they drive me bananas, but <laughs> and it was just it's interesting. He's like, you need to once you find this group of people, you know. And every time I go to a con or I talk to guys like you or anybody in the gaming space, like, this is my tribe. You know, I might not necessarily yep. like. The whatever game system you're running,
1: but you're one of my people. This is cool, you know. Yeah, and you and I gotta say, um it, that's one of the things that I noticed the more I listened to you it, is that feeling. That feeling, like I feel, I am a BSer, and, and yeah, being uncle. able to identify <laughs> as that is kind of cool. So it's fun. It, it is, and you know, I'm not a big Discord guy yet. I'm on your Discord because I enjoy it, and you have you've collected a, a good group of people. um Which yeah, is I neat. think
0: I think one of the things that. Sean and I have have espoused this for a long time. Like gaming should be very open, and we should be able to. Everybody is welcome at the table type of thing. And one of the few things that we will take hard stance on is like assholery, right? Yeah, I don't like you because you're a woman. You don't belong at my table. Fuck off, right? Yeah. That type of that type of weird. Yeah, um what the hell is the term uh, gatekeeping? You know, that yep. type of crap we don't we just don't tolerate it. Now, granted, every once in a while Sean and I say something stupid because we're two white middle-class dudes from the Midwest. Sure. And we will have one of our listeners say, "Hey, I am that person and blah blah blah." I'm like, "Thank you. Correct me. Fix nice. this." And I think part of being when Sean and I got together, we talked about different ways to do things. There was a guy, I don't know if he's still around, Angry GM. Um, was was a personality that this person, I can't remember his real name, but he'd taken on. And um, it was kind of a shticky thing, like how he approached different components and parts of his blog and different things he was doing. And there is a piece if you take on a shtick or a personality then you're forced to do that all the time and sometimes that wears really thin yeah right uh jeff cavalier the dungeon bastard he did that for a while and it's really not his thing anymore he's an actor <laughs> he can he can blend with the wind you know he's a cool dude i've met him he's a fun guy but sean and i both said this is just who we are we're not going to pretend to be anything else so if you do bump into me at a convention. And you stopped me. I was at Origins once. I've only been to Origins once. But I was walking to dinner with my buddy Tom Flanagan from Nights of the Night. And uh, we were just talking about uh, Avalon because we were running a game and we're BSing back and forth on it. And a young lady stopped me. She said, are you Brett? And I said, yes, I am. And she said, I saw one of your, I had a button on my backpack that said Gaming BS. And she said, hey, I listen to you guys. I'm I'm Ange. I'm just not the famous Ange because she was talking about Angel Murray. <laughs> I said, that doesn't matter. This is really cool. So I gave her a couple buttons and she was like super happy just to have met me and she said, wow, that was really that was really cool of you, man. And she wrote us um, a letter and said, hey, thank you so much just for talking to me. And to me, I'm like that. First off, it's shocking that anybody gives you shit what I have to say.
1: Yeah, you can't believe and, you have <laughs> listeners. I No, like, it, why? anybody <laughs> listens to you is weird. <laughs> yeah. But
0: the, the other thing is, though, is, I mean, be as genuine as you can be. There's so many personalities yep. out there trying to be a certain thing. Just be yourself. And I know that's it's easier said than done sometimes but i think if there's a magic if if you want to call it that to what Sean and I do I think that's it. We this is Sean and Brett. We don't there's no difference. If you bump into Sean and I at Gary and we're having drinks or we're having breakfast, this is the same. you you'll get the same reaction out of us you would if you wrote us a letter.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's, there's no difference. It, it's it's funny you say that Brett because that's definitely was the approach that i took when i started doing this uh too um and, and it helps explain why i think i enjoy you guys so much because i feel that's i feel like your, your bar analogy is perfect. Like, I feel like I was sitting having a beer. I heard two guys BSing about yep. games. I'm like, hey, guys, I dig this shit, too. And I want to I want to talk. Um, yeah. And so if that's what you guys are going for, you've nailed it. Thank you.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> so, oh, I got to say this from misdirected directed mark really helped us a lot from a leader uh, from a, a listenership perspective. Um, Phil and uh, Chris Nizak and Bob Everson and that whole crew when they were um, early on, when we first got going, they said, Hey, I heard about this podcast. I caught it. I don't even know how the hell they found us. And they, we promoted each other back and forth heavy for almost like a year. Yeah. And both of our numbers grew and we were having fun on G plus back when, in the, in those wonderful days when that was a thing. <laughs> um, and it, so the reason I told you that story is to tell you this. So it was like three years after someone's on their show on, on it said Brett and Sean and Bob goes, Oh, and feels like, what? That's where the BNS comes from.
1: Oh my <laughs> god, that's like,
0: funny! <laughs> Jesus Christ, you're not that old, dude. What the hell, man? So we <laughs> gave we gave Everson crap for about about a month or two. It was hilarious. Oh, it We're is. Like, funny. come on, come on, come on, to double entendre. Work with me, Bobby. It was just. Oh, that was funny. funny. That was cool.
1: Um, and I will say something for the listeners. Um, that that Brett brought up. Um, the times when you listeners reach out to. Brett, reach out to me and, and tell us, you know, that you listen and this is why we like it. Uh, I don't think you can, uh, I don't think you guys understand how much it means t- to us oh, that are creating the content. It, it, it's really a big deal. And I have had so many people just say so many nice things and it makes it all work it worth it because I, I don't know whether you know it or not but brett and i are making tens of dollars putting yes. out this uh, this podcast I it, co- it costs tens of dollars every exactly. time we talk yeah. exactly but it all it takes is one note once a month someone shoots me an email or, or says something and it makes a huge difference um so guys the whole purpose of the insider insight series is it's my opportunity to bring on writers designers developers artists and other tabletop gaming insiders to talk about what they do and why they do it and how they do it and i try to pull back the curtain on the creative process so what my hope is today is that we're going to learn a few things one i want to um, dig in a little bit more uh with the fact that brett unlike me has been gaming this whole time so i want to talk a lot about the industry and over time i want to learn a lot about the process of creating streets of avalon um from a creative aspect and that transition from player to gm to you know actually publishing and then uh, we're going to talk about the rpg landscape in general so we're going to take a quick break when we get back we're going to learn about the streets of avalon we'll be right back Howdy, friends. Greg here. Nothing makes Malifaux easier than having the right tools. Here at the third floor, we love all the licensed Malifo goodies from Custom Meeple. Not only are they helping support this podcast, they sell custom-made, weird, licensed tokens and terrain. They sell it all. Crew boxes, terrain, markers, tokens, and even a 3 x 3 full Malifo board. Custom Meeple sells a complete M3E token set covering every marker and token you need to play. Custom Meeple are the source for the official accessories for Malifo. Everything is designed by hand and authorized by Weird Games. Check them out at custommeeple.com. That's with one M. Or follow the link in the show notes. Up your Malifo game and be sure to tell them Craig from the Third Floor sent you. If you use the promo code Friend, all one word, T-H-I-R-D-F-L-O-O-R-F-R-I-E-N-D, you'll get a 5% discount and help support the podcast. It's valid on everything except retail products and playmats. There are so many online retailers, it can be hard to find one that is trustworthy, has great prices, along with some reliable customer service. On the third floor, we love ordering our gaming goodies from Gadzooks Gaming. Their selection of terrain, miniatures, dice, Custom decor and conversion bits are curated for gamers by gamers. You'll find they have what you need and what you didn't know you needed to take your gaming fun to the next level. If you mention Third Floor Wars in the cart notes of your order, you'll also get a free gift and you'll help support the podcast. Check out gadzooksgaming.com and mention Third Floor Wars on checkout to get that free gift. So as I mentioned, I was listening to uh, Brett and Sean and um, the one thing, and I, th- I think I've said something to Brett in, the, in uh, the Discord about this, or I said it to Sean, um, I didn't know until 50 episodes later that Brett created a whole thing, right, and published a whole thing, because you would think if you had a podcast, you would actually promote your stuff, but for whatever reason... I suck at <laughs> that. <I'm laughs> you really do, man. I'm really mad You really do. <laughs> um, and, you know, I was trying to figure out a way to get either Brett or Sean or both of them on the show, and then I found out about Streets of Avalon and I figured that was the perfect in. So um, let's go back in time again, Brad. So you, sure. you're playing, you're you're creating. Um, well, actually, I'm gonna go back a little bit further. Transition from player to GM, and, I, and that jump happens differently for a lot of people. What prompted you to stop playing and start running? Um, so my buddy
0: Eric Schaefer was my high school GM for a very long time, all through high school, even actually kind of briefly into the, like just as you transition into college type of thing before we all move and go off to do our things. Um, other people were, were running and I was running periodically and I was finding myself getting more annoyed that people weren't doing what I thought was right. Yeah. And by that, I mean, I'm like, Oh, if I was doing this, I would have done that. I wish this would have happened, man. If that, if that was in front of me, I would have had orcs, orcs, orcs attack ninjas kicking the door. I would have done something. There was, that session was boring. (laughs) What would I do if I was going to make it better? Sure. And part of me is like, "Well, I can do better. Well, can you do better? Have you done better? Can you try this yeah. let's let's see what we can do so i started i wanted to i want to play d and d, so I'm like, all right, I'm going to run a d and d for my high school group here at the tail end. We're going to try that." And they were merciless pack of pricks. Um, it was one of the worst sessions I've ever run. I distinctly remember this day almost crying. It was just so brutal. Everything I did that was conceivably a mistake, anything I couldn't remember, I wasn't as good as Eric. And they just railed <laughs> on it. It was terrible. <laughs> a lot and of harder like, to do it. Yeah, thought, I'm like, wow, <laughs> this is terrible. And I thought, my ideas weren't bad. I just didn't know all the rules. Wait, no, they knew the rules better. I know what I'm going to do. I'm gonna go find me a game that none of these assholes know nice. i'm gonna be the only person who knows how to run this game system and no <laughs> one's gonna be able to challenge me on it so that's when i get into middle earth role-playing and i start um ran gurps for a little bit and then vampire came out well, all these different things i got and vampire was like the big groove for me where i got into it because a girl i was dating at the time was really into vampires the the vampire Lestat books were coming yep. out by Anne rice and all that we all kind of got into it. We're having a blast. And I was the only person who had the books, who knew how to do it, understood the rules, and was running. <clears throat> and I was able to do the things that I wanted to do. And we started playing with different people. I uh, met a couple friends. A lot of the guys I know now is all because of this game store in my hometown, which is now defunct. But we that's where I bought the books from. And the owner, Chris at the time, said, you're buying a lot of this product. Would you mind running it for me because I hear people are interested in it but I just don't know anything about it tell them I said well if you get a group of people I'll come with a couple of folks so you know five six gamers show up I'm running a game and by the end of it they're they were like edge of their seat like so when are we doing this again I'm like alright so you're cool. hooked I got, I got a game and then yeah. you know 25 years later I'm still doing it For ostensibly basically the same the same crew of folks people have come and gone over time yep. but it's uh, I wanted to do oh, every time I, I would do something like I want to do it my way and instead of bitching to myself or other people about so-and-so not doing it the way I wish they would have done, I'm like, well, I just got to take the bull by the horns and do it. Yep. You know, I've, I've got to grab this and go because otherwise I'm just a whiny player. Why be a, <laughs> why be a whiny player that's complaining constantly and not doing anything to fix it? So I'm going to yep. try. I'm
1: going to try. That's how, it, that's, that's how I jumped into it. So um, where is if we were to go back and do a forensic study on Streets of Avalon, where where are the seeds so where were the very beginnings of the setting the um ages back before i got motion sick playing first person video
0: games i liked thief the original one by edos entertainment i think it was yep. that was a blast it was like this really evocative quasi steampunky before steampunk was a thing setting it just was really cool i like far from the gray mauser i liked um thieves world robert lennon yep. and and that whole crew um I'm like wow this is really cool and I started because of vampire I knew how to run a big city campaign and move within those walls and I found I'm like you know what I bet you I could do this with a fantasy game and I bet you I can I bet you I can so I started designing this concept of a massive walled city with different sections and just piecing it together my buddy Jay Plata still a friend of mine Jay's on the gaming bs forums now he's a cool dude um but he I bounced ideas off of him, my other friend Henry, and we just would go back and forth. Like, well, how about this? How about that? What if how, if you did this? Jay would ask me, "Was how do people eat?" You're telling me this is huge. Com, this huge thing. It's not like a modern city. How? What do they eat? What do yeah. the birds look like? What do the fish look like? What's this? Is it a seaside? Is it that? So it was kind of a writer's table banging it around. But at the core of it was, I'm going to have a really big fantasy city setting that I can do everything I want to in. I can have uh there's dungeons beneath the city, there are uh, dungeons within a, within the above ground, you know, I have an abandoned brewery. I've got yep. a manor house. I've got haunted houses. I've got corrupt guards. I've got this, I got this, I got this. I wanted to have this kind of this one-stop shop massive walled in edifice and um Usually in a fantasy campaign, when I'm running a city game, like Waterdeep or whatever, people go in, they mess about, and then they leave. They go to Greyhawk City, they mess about, and they want to go out to the dungeon. Right. I wanted Avalon to be somewhere where you came, you stayed, and that's where you died. <laughs> you, you lived here, right? This is where you grew up. So as it came out, as I started cranking through it more and playtesting the setting with my group and different people in different groups as I went through it, I started to get, hey, have you thought about publishing this? This is really fun. I'm like, huh, interesting. Never thought I would. I figured I'd just kind of hang on to it. But what am I going to do with it? I mean, how do you publish anything? Yeah. Another friend of mine with well, two guys I'm, I'm game with now, Lenny and, uh, and Alpha. My gamers have weird code names. So anyway, <laughs> um, Lenny and Alpha. Um, and I started this little applica- app company called uh, Dark Theater. And we had the character Folio, which was on, uh, I, which was on the iTunes store for for a number of years. We eventually lost lost the ability to fund ourselves and just keep rolling. We just had to close her down. But yep. we always thought, hey, if this works, Brett, you might be able to publish your thing through us. We'll figure out how to do that. Well, it went defunct. i had started um, podcasting with Sean in the meantime, and through that, a meeting... Phil Vecchio and the encoded crew, they do engine publishing. So when my app company folds, I get a hold of Phil and crew and I said, Hey, I have this idea. What do you think? I'm like, well, we're interested in maybe doing that type of thing. So a couple phone calls, video conferences, sending them documents, um, eventually end up here. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. But it was a lot of um, kind of, I guess, finding, I had an audience. In Gaming BS, I have X number of hundred people uh, probably download it. And I'm like, I think I could kickstart this thing. I don't need a lot of money. I just want to do a little thing, you know, like seven grand, maybe 10 grand. I don't want to do like this huge money, cook games a billion dollar, (laughs) you know, big black cube of death. But it was a lot of just kind of growing it organically internally. But when I started playing with people outside of my home group and having the feedback be, this is fun. I've never played in a city campaign that was this much fun before for fantasy. I'm like, all right, I have something.
1: This is this is worth shopping around, you know, so it'd be, it'd be interesting, obviously, you know, through different iterations, Brett, and you're in your, you know, at the writer's table and you're play testing it, you know, it changes, right? Uh, oh, yeah. It, it started off one one place and it moved to other places. But I would imagine that once you said, I am going to publish this, mm-hmm. there's a journey that happens there, too. How much change during that moment to the final moment? Did it did, was it was it the same? I think it's very
0: similar. However, what happened was we got so I'm working with the encoded designs team and one of the one of the folks in there is um Sean Merwin from Baldwin Games and Baldwin Games and he does a lot of uh shoot at the time he was just freelancing. Uh, but Sean Merwin does a lot of cool stuff. And he was in there helping us do development work. And christine Zach, and I are cranking away on this, and I send the document to sean i'm like take a look at this right because he's next in line with encoded to to take a look at it. and we're still dabbling like how how do we want to do it and frankly i'm like is encoded going to be able to do this for me is it even going to be worth it are we going right. to come to an agreement that this is fucking stupid and we're not going to do it and sean just hits me with this is bad this is bad this is bad this is bad what are you doing what's going on i'm like oh christ i'm an idiot god i suck i suck i'm so bad at this and sneeze is like no dude that's Sean. He's telling us, he's given us a message. We just got to figure out what it is. Let's get on the, let's get on the phone with him. Like, okay. All right. So Sean looks at it. He goes, why is this so small? And I said, what? He goes, you tried to do like a 60 page document. He said, this is a hundred page book. What are you doing? Oh, he said, go bigger, go home, do something bigger. This is, this is silly. He said, you could put so much more into this. He said, we'll I have to cut it down. Of course he said, but you're pre cutting, you're pre editing yourself into a hole. Interesting. He said, you're burying the lead, man. You've got these cliche you you've got these weird ass um, group of people that do this thing. You've got their uh, weird, f- a no-eyed face, you know, lighting the candles at night. What the fuck? This is creepy as hell. It's a it's hundred miles. How big? You bury, dude, flip all this stuff, throw this out, come back with what you originally wrote and give
1: me that interesting interesting
0: it which was really I'm like oh my god okay this thing this thing has legs that's cool Sean knows what he's talking about but he really because Chris and I were looking at it thinking well we don't want to be too big for our britches and, and yeah. it's not it's not like a huge it's a thin it's a thin book right it's not that gigantic but at the end of the day we were thinking you know 50 pages, 60 pages, some kind of a little folio just to get you started. And he's like, no, you need to outline all of this stuff. You need to provide what are the players supposed to be doing in this setting. Don't, at, don't you know, hint at, tell them directly, give them adventure ideas, blow this stuff out, give solid examples. And then we've got something. He said, if you want people to be able to pick this thing up, throw it at the table and use it, it has to have this gear in it, man. And I was so nervous to tell anybody how to do it yeah you know and i'd done an actual play um with the misdirected mark crew and with the knights of the night and andy andy fox uh she was from she's a super geek i think that that podcast may have shut down by now i can't remember lost track of them but anyway we were we were all we were doing this actual play and it was getting good traction people liked the actual play they liked how we put out there they liked the world and sean's like dude you can't only talk to those people. That was the other thing I was doing. I was writing it so that it was like, if you were a fan of the thing I did, you totally got it. We're, we see you. He said, "You got to be able to grab anybody, you know." So yeah. Craig, grabbed, Craig grabs it and goes, "The fuck is this thing?" And if they're, if you weren't a fan of the show, if you hadn't listened to it, it was too inside jokey. He's like, "Pull that out, come all the way down from on top." So his his view there, and Chris Sneezak did a great job keeping me to that tone. Because I would start going down this way and say, no, 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 nobody knows what the fuck that means. <laughs> right? You're right? talking, you're talking like you're talking to your game group. Because that's how I've been I've been developing this thing for Brett's table. Now I have right. to develop something that is for everybody's table. So <sighs> pick a rule system. It can't be a, this agnostic blob. We're gonna go with 5e, it's the monster, it's fine. It's the easiest intro. We yep. can come up with other rule systems later. So work with the 5e stuff, modify things, tweak things. I was using terms and thing and some stuff in there. I, at one point I had, um, there was a punishment system that was a uh, crucifixion um, was within there. And Sean's like, that's not necessarily cool, dude. I'm like, well, <laughs> I didn't think about it. He's like, well, I'm just telling you, he said, remember the religious imagery versus a group. Hey, I grew up, I grew up uh, evangelical Lutheran. I, I know that I get yep. it. He said, we got to make sure that we don't alienate people because something is dark and cool. He said, it is dark and cool. It's gritty as sh- shit. But if we, crank it up to 11 people are going to people are going to not see the rest of the cool stuff here i'm like okay you know what what value is that weird gritty gory thing adding zero let's pull that thing out what value is that adding nothing let's pull it yeah. out and that's where Sneezak and sean really helped me bouncing it off of them and that was a piece I'd never published anything before. Um, yeah. I shouldn't say that. I, I wrote a couple software manuals, which is like, woo fun. <laughs> uh, super excited on that. That's exciting shit, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's, I mean, that it's a different audience. And here, you know, it's not like, you know, don't offend anybody, be politically correct. It wasn't that discussion. It was like, no, well, it, this has to be as open as possible. Yeah. So when I worked with John Arcadian, who is doing the art direction for it, we settled on Matt Morrow, who did amazing art for it. And we sat down and he said, well, what do you think about, how do you want to do this? How do you want to do this? I said, I need African-Americans. I want a, a, a Asian representation. And, and he's like, you, this is perfect. That's what I want to hear. I said, because I want my, um, I want my niece to be able to pick this up and say, wow, this is really cool. I want her to see her face in this book. Yeah. And I thought that's, that's really cool. And it doesn't, it doesn't hurt it doesn't do anything other than open a door. I'm like this is yeah. awesome. Let's let's do what we can to make this um welcoming. Now it's it's a gritty dark street level. You know, if you look from a superhero comparison, it's Daredevil. It's not it's not even Batman. Batman's almost too high end. It is just Daredevil, you know. Um what, Jessica Jones type of it's yeah. it's a little more it's down there, right? You're dirty, you're gritty. Um I've I've said this before where, you know, you're going to it's Uh, not not questionable morals, but people are doing things that may or may not be good. They're doing for the right reasons. Is good going to triumph over evil in the end? How are we going to get past this? What are you willing to sacrifice to improve this? And that's where when Sean said, it looks like you're talking about neighborhoods. And I thought about it. I'm like, you're right. That's how I've always built this is that every time we get together, the team says, Hey, um, where you live, where are we from, blah, blah, blah. And then we, Just built a neighborhood. He's like, you've got to have something in here because this is neighborhood focused. If you want street level stuff, he said, think daredevil again. Think it's it's hell's kitchen. Where's your hell's kitchen? Where's your neighborhood? There's different types of neighborhoods throughout the city, of course, but you need to have this focal point. Otherwise, people will be like, what do I do? It's, this sounds this sounds great, but I have no tactical thing that I can do to actually implement this cool concept. It, then it's just a conceptual thing. He said, then make it a blog post. If you want to make it a product, it can't just be conceptual. It has to have tactical, nice. be able to do it stuff. So I hope, knock on wood, the people who've read it and been kind enough to say anything nice to me about it um, have all said, yes, it does some of that. And I have had guys like Jared Rasher, one of our listeners and really good reviewer blogger. Um, gave me some flack. He's like, ah, I think you gave short shrift over here. Don't like the way you did this. Don't like this. Don't like this. Super professional, very polite. And I'm like, you know, what? he's right. I might have to pull Jared and M review my next edit, my next version <laughs> if I do this, you know, but, um, I think one of the key pieces for me was being open to the, um, uh, the constructive artistic criticism because, you know, yeah. you, especially when I'm like, I have to admit, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm trying to do this thing. I'm trying to create something that people like, but I don't know if I'm doing it right. Am I even taking the right path? You know, so.
1: Well, and I would imagine it's got to be a little tough um, to let your kid out. Right. I mean, this has been your little thing in your little circle. (laughs) And, you know, it's a huge success with five people. Yeah, it is. Oh, it's gigantic. And then, (laughs) but but to open it up like that, um, how do I want to put this? Um, Was there moments where. It was any moment where you're like, you know what? I, sh- I shouldn't have done this. Or, yes. or did you? Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: I had, I had a, I had a, I'm going to crack moment. A couple of them where I texted Phil and Chris, Chris particularly, and said, I, I we can't do this Kickstarter. I'm done. I, I, I can't no do shit. it. I can't do it. I can't do it. He's like, fuck you can't. <laughs> I think I still have a quote somewhere. Don't do this to me. I think it was one thing he said, we're almost yeah. there. Knock it off. You'll be fine. Everything's cool. And it was because it's just the, imposter syndrome is too strong but it's just it's nervousness yeah and um a thing happened kind of in the process of it and i remembered it when chris fed that back to me and, and phil did the same thing which is great and so did sean merwin too but um and sean kelly my my partner is always like dude it's fine it's fine you'll be fine you'll be fine but my buddy alpha ran a game for me in avalon for my home group he ran a one-shot campaign he pulled together this cool idea, and he ran it. And it was the first time anybody has ever taken that setting and run it Will help me running it. Wow. And he, he's like, you have to play in this. I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> like, nope, you have to. You're coming. You're coming up this weekend. You're playing in my house. This is what we're going to do. <sighs> All right. I had a blast. Oh, my God. Did I have fun? No kidding. He did stuff. I'm like, I never thought about that. Yeah. Huh. Because he took an old Ravenloft adventure that he pulled out of an old Dragon Magazine, or uh, Dungeon Magazine, excuse me. And uh, he just twisted it a bit so it fit it was wonderful it was so much fun and i'm like okay this he's like yeah it took a little bit of work he said i hope you didn't mind i changed this i'm like i didn't even notice that's totally fine i said there's you from you held true to the spirit it was all right there it worked out really really well
1: well and that's a question i always like to ask of creators uh brett is is when it's out there in the world it's not yours anymore so john harper put it a real nice way um he said um uh, I'm creating a violin for somebody else to play. That's a good way um, to put it, yeah. Yeah. It, 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 so what's that been like hearing about other people playing Avalon? Or I'm sure you've captured, you know, listened to podcasts yep. about it and stuff like that. What's that been like to hear it? Not yours anymore. It's out there.
0: <laughs> Jared Rasher has been doing a uh, an actual play with Eileen Barnes and Brandon Barnes and a, and a couple of, I think, Gators in that one. and. Shit, I think Arcadian's playing in it, which is cool. And anyway, so I check in on that periodically. I listen to what he's doing. He actually got a hold of me. We had a little video conference. He's like, hey, I want to use this type of monster. How would you Avalon this sucker? So we sat down and we plotted out what he was going to do to some of the players. Like, ooh, this is wicked and evil. This will be fun. And we just noodled on stuff together. Um, But I have had other people contact me say, hey, I really like this. Um, I dropped this into my setting because I needed a really big city. Or I dropped this concept in... Uh, the one person I cannot recall their name, so I'm not even gonna try. Had said, "I'm using parts of it. I hope that doesn't make you upset." But I'm paraphrasing. I hope that didn't upset you that I'm not doing the whole thing. And I said, I, I, "The fact that anything I've ever done would be inspirational to anybody yeah. and give you an idea to do something—that I mean, I'm done. Yeah, then, check that off. I've—I—that's I've, you know—that's a bucket thing right there. That's really really cool. <laughs> that I—I created something that you read." And that you said, ooh, I like this, but I like it blue. Brett's way too right? dark. I want it blue, not pink. Fine, make it blue. Make it pink, purple, rainbow color. Don't give a shit. Just if you're using it in any way, I feel I've won. Because there's no there's no way for me to, I'm not going to gamer police you and say you're doing it wrong. Um, Jared's doing a thing with, um, the way I, I designed the setting was a little more closed off, a little more. There is no uh, planar travel. I, I tried to shut certain things off. Just this is how I would do it. Of yep. course, I'm like, do whatever you want. And Jared's cracked that a little bit. He's cracked that edge a little bit. He wanted more of something. And I'm like, it, it's working, dude. Everything you're doing is working. The cosmology fits. Everything is good. Keep going. You know, it's it, when I run Greyhawk, I'm sure Gary Gygax, if you were looking over, my shoulder, go, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> yeah. When I when I run Forgotten Realms, I'm sure Ed Greenwood would be like, huh, that's interesting. I didn't know the Magister would ever do that. Cool. Yeah. And he'd just wander off. They, that's... That's where it's at, you know? I've done, I remember doing things in Dragonlance. I'm sure Tracy Hickman Margaret Rice were saying, what the heck is going on over there?
1: <laughs> sure. Raceland sure. would never
0: do that, or whatever, it's just. <laughs> so, but to answer your question again, it's just, it's it's amazingly cool yeah. if anybody uses it. Because it's one thing you have a successful Kickstarter and you're like, oh, I broke my thing. We hit a couple stretch goals, hooray. Hundreds of people supported me and they made this thing happen. This little project, this thing I wanted to do and i'm like that's the first cool thing what will yep. really be cool is any report from anybody ever that says i'm using your thing i read your thing and i used it not that i read it and that was neat and it's on your shelf gathering dust but if right. the spine has been cracked if it's got notes in it and a bookmarker
1: because you want to reference something that's awesome that's cool <laughs> good. well and, and i would imagine brett it's got to be neat as the guy for 15 20 years who's been consuming other people's worlds to finally realize that you're on the other side of that relationship
0: yeah it is I, I build my own stuff a lot I've you know rebuilt this do that tweak this I always like building things and but I take a lot of inspiration for other people's stuff I'll read through the old Greyhawk something I'll read a Frant Realms thing I'll read uh, whatever. Is out there, um, some of the uh, Yellow King stuff from uh, Robin Laws, I'll read through it and go, hmm, interesting. I bet I can use this. So I draw inspiration from all over. And and to be on the other side, like, wow, somebody drew
1: inspiration from something I made. Neat. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's like this cool. weird little bubbly schoolgirl feeling. It's fun. It's pretty fun. So
1: back to that forensic idea. Mm-hmm. Um, what we talked about what changed. Mm hmm. But if you look back at the beginnings when it was just you homebrew, I, I want to tr- do this because I thought Thief was cool. Yeah. And if I were to when my book arrives uh, on Monday and I read through it, what am I going to read that was there from the very beginning? So what stayed the same? The um,
0: the religions, the fact that there um, there are no gods, they're just the religions are there. The gods don't exist. Um, the the lamp lighters. Which are the creepy needle teeth, no eye having people that light the lamps every night at 9 p.m. The clock tower. I would say every major feature that I ever put into it is there. Everything interesting. Is there. Yeah. the The only things that I took out were the small bits of color that were useful for my group. Right. And I think when I when I look at what I'll pick on Jared Rasher again because I'm consuming his actual play, the things he's doing. Are he's adding things for his group to consume that right. enhance underscore and highlight. And that's the important part to yep. me yeah, that I want that space for people to play in. Did I knock it out? Someone probably is going to buy this thing, read it and go, I don't think he did that good. Fine. It's my first thing ever. If I screwed something up, I'll, I'll say, I'm sorry. Yeah. But I think um, I can't see, I have my original stuff that I wrote ages back. So the 60 pages I put together ages and ages ago and all the core stuff is there interesting yeah so i'm I'm actually very happy about that
1: i was and brett i gotta tell you it's not a common so no. as i <laughs> talk to people that like uh when i talked to baker about eberron it was amazing how much changed that process and he only had a handful of things that he said to survive so it's really neat that it, it sounds like it was baked pretty early before you decided to push it out there which is which is neat
0: yeah i think part of it for me was because I had I had it baked myself. I played it a lot with my crew. I mean, right. like we played Pathfinder, I played GURPS with it, I played um Osric and old for a first E version. Wow. You know, I played that in the setting. I wanted to beat the hell out of the setting and just try different things and different options. And then when I ran an actual play for a group of other people, and then I ran convention games with it before it was ever published, just to see what people liked or didn't like. And um, I, I think that It was, granted, it's a small sample size. If I had gone even bigger, maybe things would have changed. But nobody ever came back and said, I don't like the big stuff. They would say, I think you need more detail here, or I wish I knew more about this. So that's cool. That means I left That's a good sign. I think that's a good sign, yeah. Yeah. It does. And I don't know if I could, um, if that's a weird lightning bottle thing that I could never do again. I have no idea. But I think that it's... If there's a, a key or a reason to why I was able to keep the big stuff, it was because I, I held on to it a long time. Yeah. And the other thing is also hindsight is 20, 20 I mean, I could look, I could be saying that now. And if I were to go back, time machine, go back, I could well find something like, huh, that did change. But the concept is there. Right. And I think the key part for me is the concepts are there. The details are changed a little bit. The coloring change, right? The shadows are darker and some places lighter than others now. And that's okay.
1: So you've hinted on the show a couple times, Brett, that you, you're uh, potentially going to put it out for other systems. Yep. Um, do you anticipate that just being a port where you just say, here's the here's the rules changes, right? It's a different system. Or do you think that you will change the streets?
0: I think what's so I've got agreement with uh, Third Eye Games, Loyola Santa and Todd Crapper over there and working with me and Phil Vecchione from Encoded. We're going to do the PIP system. That's yep. the first one I'm going to go at. And Eloy's like, do whatever you got to do, man. He said, rewrite it, write it, make a whole book, kickstart it, whatever you got to do. I'm cool with that. He said, you know, the PIP system, Brett, just, you know, do your thing. What I want to do with that is not take 15 years to build it, (laughs) but I'm going to, um, I'm going to start playtesting a little bit, take the PIP system as I know it, make some pregens what I think would fit. Hand them out to my players. Hand them out to players I don't know. People who've played Avalon, even people who just read it. Like Jared, I'm gonna I'm gonna leverage Rasher because I like him and I'm gonna beat him a little bit. But hey, read this. Take a look at this. Do you think this even makes sense? Right. And um and then see if something has to change. Pip system is it's a generic type of game system the the engine behind it. So I th- I don't think a lot of it would have to change. If I were to go in and say, well, I'm going to make it fit to this um, Zweihander or I wanna make it into, I don't know, a cipher system or something. I think cipher might be difficult. One, I don't know it very well, but two, I don't know if it's if it would be a fit. Why is that? I don't know, and that's just because I, I, I hesitate at it because I don't know enough about how the cipher system functions. I know a bit about ciphers themselves, and I'm like, hmm, does that concept work in this setting? I don't know. Yep. I want somebody who, like, uh, I want like Eric Frankhouse, who's a friend of our show and a friend of Sean and mine. I'd like someone like him who really knows it well, or uh, Troy or Darcy to come and tell me, Hey, no, it would totally work. And here's how I would do it. Right. I want to keep the core. I don't want to change. Like I said, if the, if the shadows change shift a little bit, you know, if the, if the light hits it here and it's darker on the left, it used to be on the right. That's fine. I don't want to, but I also don't want to do something as mundane as just porting it over saying, here's a two, here's a three by five card that says, here's how you make a thief. That's kind of that's kind of boring. You yeah, know, it's called strength here and now yeah.
1: it's strength there.
0: Right? Yeah, that's just boring. That's that's yeah. shit. that's shit. You'd find in the back of the old school DMG. that says, hey, if you want boot hill, this is how you do it. Yep, it's got to have a little bit more meat to it than that. But I want to. How do I do this? So in, in a generic system like that, which would be similar to Savage Worlds, I've talked to like Ron Blessing and Christian Serrano. Uh, we've B.S. on the side just around. Like, how would you Savage Worlds that sucker? And that's a very pulpy game. Right. So. The theme that the approach that Savage Worlds has, and my first thought was, ooh, ooh, how would I do that? But there's Savage Worlds and Noir. Maybe I should read Savage Worlds and Noir and see how they figured out how to darken it up a bit. How did right. they do a noir pulp? Maybe that's the ticket. Yeah. There's a lot of really cool folks out there. Sean and I say this all the time. This is the golden age of gaming, man. You want to find oh, somebody who's you want to find somebody who's built something similar, it's out there. Yep. Which is one of the reasons why I, I'm just so happy that Avalon worked at all is because the plethora of stuff <laughs> that's out there that is anybody interested at all was amazing. But anyway, I, I think I'm answering your question. I, I don't want it to be just a basic, boring ass port because that's boring ass. It, yeah. needs, it needs to have some meat to it so that when you get it, you're still in Avalon, but using and you're using the system to enhance that experience.
1: Right, right. The, the I mean, the reason that there is thousands of role-playing systems mm-hmm. out there is because mechanics influence the storytelling mm-hmm. right and it's not i mean go back to 20 some odd years ago you know there wasn't that big of a difference between playing fantasy gerps and fantasy champions because at that point in time systems were getting getting generic and they're trying to all be all encompassing and when Stilskin craig went to sleep for 20 years and came back to role-playing I saw how specialized mechanics had gotten, and, and 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 and
0: that was a good thing. Yeah, we've got more of a curated experience now. You can yeah. pe- people expect that this game, how is it different than every other game? It's not like my wizards can use swords. That's that's not how it's different. Yeah, it's not like well, it doesn't have you know memorized spell slots. It has mana points. That's nothing, dude. How is it helping me tell a different type of story? Exactly. D and D is its own little beast. It's got its own history and its own thing. It's its own little a niche within a niche within a niche. But how am I telling the story of the um the Russian women who flew planes and dropped railroad ties on the Nazis? That's called Night Witches. It's an actual game. Morningstar it's there. You know. Yeah. You, could you use those mechanics to play a dungeon crawl, maybe, but it's not built for that. It's curated right. to have this experience, you know. Yep. Even Savage Worlds. It's a generic system, but it is curated to be savage, fun, fast, and pulpy. The yep. whole gist of it is curated around that aspect of it, so that's. I, I think the the tone. I don't know if that's a good phrase for it, but there's a there's an experience, a tone, a feeling you're supposed to get out of some games now. That's why some people are like, oh, I really love Dungeon World. Why? It just it does this thing, and a lot of people talk about tone and feeling and the everything in it just seems to work for me. it it, it just everything just is in sync, you know. Where where when I do it with this other game, I have to you know change the rules and house, 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 house rule everything. So yep. yeah, it's it's really cool.
1: So Brett, for my 5e listeners that are um, out there right now that have never played on the streets, um, let's say that they're used to Forgotten Realms. Um, if they sit down and they play uh, in Streets of Avalon, what, what are the biggest things they're going to notice that's different?
0: So one of the things that they're going to notice that's different is that... You don't have as dynamic of some of the different um, uh, race makeups. I don't have dragonborn. I actually don't have gnomes because they're superfluous to the the way I've done the the, uh, the halfling group in there. Um, I don't do tieflings, um, no paladins, no sorcerers. Warlocks are there. I specifically said this is what I'm doing. Obviously, you yeah. do whatever the hell you want. The other thing is that it is, it's a grittier feel, and by that I mean you're going to have morally ambiguous choices that you have to make. You're going to have to do decisions um, based on bad intel. You know, I think of it as a noir type of setting in that space where you're doing things, questionable morals, questionable. But you, by God, Spillane's trying to do the right thing, and yet he still shot that guy, you know you you see somebody stealing and they're doing it because they need to feed their family you see somebody stealing they say this because to feed their family it turns out it's not he's actually a thief who's trying to stab the family jesus christ stab- you know um it's a confined place and you care a lot about your neighborhood um the way i've done this is trying to develop a neighborhood as an active place you know all the npcs there it matters you want to know about how you can you can hunt monsters there, but you're doing it to protect the neighborhood because the city itself cannot manage the size. It doesn't have the manpower, it doesn't have the the people available to the griffins, the, the city guard, just don't have the, the, the power and ability. Yeah, it's classic to say the guards are corrupt, and yes, you can pay them off, but quite frankly they're overworked and underpaid. They, there's yeah. not so much they can do. You're an adventurer, you're good at this. Something happens in your neighborhood, you're the ones that the neighborhood goes, you guys, get over here you you folks i need you yes you get over here we have so and so's gone missing we got giant rats the water stopped we can't get water from the well anymore what's going on the sanitary excavators guild says they they sent two teams down there but nothing's coming out what the hell's going on what's going on with the Atiugs? you know so all of those pieces it's all trying to figure out you know how do we survive how do we make lives better in a rough scenario
1: very you know? cool so very that's, very cool that's what
0: i'm trying to to put in there instead of like i i'm playing in a in a uh, dungeon of the mad mage right now a buddy of mine's running alpha he's doing a great job we're having a lot of fun but it's it's not like i go to the yawning portal i go into Undermountain, collect a bunch of loot and i come back it has a silver right. it has a silver standard magic items are rare um magic itself is kind of freaky spooky but that's theme that's something that your game master should be helping you to draw out and because there are no gods, it doesn't mean that people don't believe in them, fervently believe in them. There's just they don't exist. They don't, they don't have show the, up. Yeah. You don't have the ability to access it because, yeah, the way Brett wrote it is this is the last place in the entire multiverse. Everything else is dead and consumed. Wow. Everything else outside is gone in here. The lamplighters are the last things, the last vestiges of a, a race that has ended up here. It ended up in Avalon. Everything else is gone. Erlag, this horrible evil deity, is like the Cthulhu. He's outside just knocking. This is the last thing that he hasn't done. You cannot leave. And it's that it's not meant to be this despairing where Cthulhu can be very nihilistic and despair-ridden. This is more of this is where we are. This is a last stand type of thing. This is your neighborhood. You live here. Why are you letting the street gang do this thing? Yeah. You live here. Make a difference. You know
1: all right so this is here you ready for the heavy question go for it hit me so uh uh captain i minored in psychology <laughs> um if i read the streets of avalon where will i find brett where will you find so where me? when you think about you like where is your fingerprints like what makes what if someone else don't get me wrong brett like it's cool, right? Like no, you, I hear you're you. totally getting me turned on here right now, but um, you know, I could get anybody to write that, right? If I told them what yeah, you just told you... me, <laughs> like well, like what 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 make what makes this
0: you? Well, if you buy the uh if you pick up the one uh the one version of the the ranger, the city ranger, that picture is actually drawn off my face. So that's technically kind of me. Um <laughs> that, that, that doesn't answer my that question. It, Brad. Damn it, damn it. Okay. Okay, <laughs> good so, try though. I think um generally speaking, and I think my wife would back this up, I can be kind of morose and I can be very despondent sometimes. And, Mm -hmm. um, if there are five possible outcomes, I find the worst one and say, that's the one I'm planning for. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a bad trait of Brett's. However, I honest, I love my friends and I love my family and I do everything I can for them. And I want, An environment, a world where your characters are together. They could be some backstabbing. There can be some craziness going on, but I want an environment where you feel like it's not necessarily you against the world, but it's, these are the people you trust. Right. And they're close to you. And this is your gaming group, right? So this is, this is where, when it's a neighborhood, you're building this thing together. And how are we going to interact in it? How are we going to make this work? How are we going to make questionable decisions, but we're doing it for all the right reasons. And by God, good is going to win as bad as this is. I don't care if it's, you know, in two generations, it might go, it might go to hell next week. It could go to hell, but I do not (laughs) care right now. I'm going to do the right thing. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm try, I tried to get that in there. There's, you know, you get to hunt monsters. That's fun. You get heist, you got some political intrigue. And a lot of it is like, I need to protect this thing this neighborhood full of good people. I want to make sure that this thing is protected and taken care of. Um, so my hope is that my um, my penchant for being a morbid son of a bitch is there, but then there's still the piece of breath that is like, I don't want to be like that. I want to have something that has a light shining. I want to be that guy with the flashlight that says, I got you. Yeah, come with, come with me if you want to live. I want to be that guy. That's cool. I know.
1: Well, I think it's cool too. And the reason I asked that question, Brett, is I was listening to you talk about it. it, it it's you know, in regular D and D or whatever the hell we're playing, mm-hmm. you have your party, right? And that's your buds and stuff. But it was very interesting to hear me talk, hear you talk about the neighborhood and how you like you opened the circle, right? And yep. and it's and it's and it's the neighborhood. And I thought that was very very interesting. It, 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 the reason I asked asked the question though, Brett, mm-hmm. was it, it was. That's what's different, right? So I've I've talked to some people that have created like um, I talked to Schwab about um, Dungeon uh, Demon Demon Lord, Lord, right? Uh, Which is just a that's a dirty fucking place.
0: get that guy drunk at a con he's a hoot oh my god oh he, he's he, a great guest yeah he met Forbeck and i got hammered at gary con a couple of back it just we we're just oh my god the stories it was so much fun
1: oh he was a great guest but um like he did not create a place with a flashlight no like the, no it's you know it's,
0: you're you're done yeah, yeah it's not
1: good. yeah and uh you know john harper's uh blades in the dark is not a place with a flashlight either so it was very interesting to me to hear the optimism in this grittiness because that's a combination that's not super common Brett. i think honestly in
0: Noir has that, uh, like you know, it's it's Chinatown, man. There's nothing you can do, mm. it's there. But Gettys is, I mean, well, spoilers, you know, Jake Gettys in Chinatown is is kind of sort of trying to do the right thing. He just he gets yep. caught up and embroiled in some shit, and it's fucked up. And at the end, he knows it's bad, and he just doesn't know what he can do. Yeah, it sucks sometimes, yeah. but you get to walk away from it saying, I tried with everything I knew, based on everything I had, I gave it what I could. It didn't work out. Hopefully, tomorrow will be better. You know, type of thing.
1: So, it, if I were to read Streets, Brett, where would I see Gotta that optimism? I hope, I, hope that, I
0: hope that comes through.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, like seriously though, where where did you put that? Like, it's super easy to put the gritty. Not easy. I don't. I don't want to minimize well, that.
0: It, no, it's easier to say it's dark and brutal and everything sucks. Um, what I tried to do is with the neighborhood component of it is that this is shit you care about. That I tried to use a tone that stated, you know. The person who has the um who sells the coffee, the person who sells the sticky buns the 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 tavern whatever the guild people whoever you're working with these are people you know you interact with them yeah. every day. This isn't um another town in another world with another neighborhood and there's the blacksmith no, you know the blacksmith why well, there's a um there's an adventure I wrote which is out there blacksmith's folly. And he's the blacksmith is dead. And you care about that because everyone's freaking the fuck out. He is the neighborhood blacksmith. There is no other blacksmith nearby. You don't have a plethora of them. Right. Um, And there's a there's a nasty it's kind of a downer of an adventure because there's this person who's not well trying to do what they think is the absolute right thing to do. And it's a horrible thing to do. And there's a lot of really sad kind of bummed out ways that that thing can end. It's kind of a downer. I also used to, yeah. play Ra- I also play Wraith just as, <laughs> so, <laughs> but the, uh, but uh, other ones like um, iron shoes, I wrote that one for, for the Kickstarter as well. And that's out there And that one. You have, you've got to deal with this uh, obnoxious red cap and it's, it's brutal, but you're yeah. you. You, do, you need to find a way to get this out of the neighborhood. You need to stop yeah. this thing. Uh, be, why? Because I care about these people. And there's no money in it. There That's is no so cool. go save go stop the red cap, and we'll give you fifty gold. Go stop the red cap, and you get a free night in the inn. It is you need to do this because it's what you have to. This is your town. This is your neighborhood. Yeah. This is your life and your world. You don't do anything about it. Who's going to do anything about it? This people I, I've run it before and people are like, well, what did the watch want to do the watch is like, look, we went, we're, we're terrified. We don't know what to do. Jeez. You know, we tried to do this. <clears throat> we went there. I sent in two men. They never came back. I, yeah, I'm running out of stuff. I don't have any money. I've been directed by my sergeant. I can't do that anymore. I can't waste time on this stupid little made up problem, you know, and like, OK, something has to be done. You you're the ones that have to do that. And I think that's. I hope that's in there because that's what I felt when I wrote it. And I think when I talk to guys like Matt Forbeck and Schwab and other people, when it's kind of, it's interesting how if you feel a thing while you're creating a thing, it tends to permeate the thing, right. <laughs> a lot yeah. of words, a lot of thing there. But if yeah. you follow me, if, if I feel
1: a certain way while I'm doing it, it becomes part of the product. So the other part that I think is very interesting is you, you, you talk about the evil the, the grittiness, the darkness, the shadows. Yeah. Uh, but there's this, you know, it's our neighborhood. We're protecting it. And the other part that seems interesting to me is the fact that we can't escape, right? You can't, like in, in 5e, I can just say, you know what, screw you, village. We're going. We're going to hop on a ship and we're going to head out. And it doesn't sound like I can do that here.
0: No, I mean, if you think about it, it's, you know, I, I don't give exact estimates and I don't have a u- uber detailed map because I don't want one. I'm uh, working with VC Young, who's a friend of the of the podcast, and he's a great cartographer. Um, and we've got some pro- product we want to put out around um, some uh, geomorphs type of thing, just for neighborhood-type maps if people want to mess with it. But I almost specifically don't want to map the whole damn city because it's supposed to be—how wide is it, Brett? It's about 50 miles, maybe less, maybe more. How how long is it? As long as point could be maybe 170. It's all walled in. Wow, it's huge. Yes, it is. It takes a long time to get from point A to point B. Where it's a it's a it's a uh, oceanside. Where's what's out past the ocean? You want to go sail out and find out? People tell you stories. Uh, yeah. the, bar, the bargemen, the the people that that travel, the halflings of the world, basically, they'll uh, they'll talk about stuff. But their their land is gone. They're here because there's nothing out there anymore for them. There's terrors in the sea and so on. And I from the vampire days. Leaving Chicago. If you're playing Chicago by night, leaving Chicago is a son of a bitch because you're a vampire. How the yeah. fuck are you going to get out of town? If anybody goes, what's in this crate? Crack, and they pop it open at high noon. You're dead. Right. And traveling is a pain. It's difficult. Vampire games tended to, at least in my experience, be in a city. I played in yep. New York, Chicago, Milwaukee, wherever. That's where you are. And I love that feeling because you had to do stuff there. People when I ran vampire games, well oh, it's only in Chicago? Well, Chicago's a big place. I don't know it really well, but I have this funky map. We'll mess with it. We'll mess with it and stuff. But it became my city. It became their yeah. place. They knew everything about it. It became their neighborhood in Avalon. It became their neighborhood plus the other three around it because they expanded. It became their neighborhood plus their friends over at the West Gate because they went there one time. Yep. And there's a level of I think a level of ownership that comes into it. I think if you were to play a a heavy duty water deep game, like in Forgotten Realms, I think you could get a very similar thing if you could get the buy-in from the players that you're not leaving. This is where you stay. This the yeah. entire thing is gonna take place here. Um I don't have teleport spells. I don't have some of those things. So you can't just say, Well, fuck it. I'm going to Evermeet. I'm gonna teleport over here. I'm going to travels by foot, travels by carriage. Horses are rare. It's a very small street. People don't walk around with plate mail armor. It's the silver standard, but I really don't change the cost of anything. <laughs> yeah. go, buy, go buy plate mail for 50 gold when you when you made 10 silver last week. Good luck. Yeah. It takes a long time. And I changed the exchange rate. Exchange rate's a son of a bitch. So it's supposed to be, it, it's it's smaller. Um, I don't want it to, I didn't want it to turn into a, how many arrows do I have? Do I have five toothpicks this week? What if my toenails grow too long? I don't want to get that stupid. <laughs> sure. But I want it to be, look, I live here, and this is where I am. Yeah. Almost every time I run it from a campaign perspective, someone buys a house, finds a way to get property, <laughs> finds a way to engage in something so they have an inn where they look, That's look, cool. I rented the top floor. I belong here. I protect this thing. The last home game I ran, uh, the one one PC finally um, retired, and he's like, he just bought the inn off the widow because she had to... Um, there were, her children were ghouls in a basement eating people. It was just this, like, oh, my God, we got to get rid of something. this. We we got to clean this up. This is not good. They, like, cleaned up the mess. She didn't mean to do this. It was all, like, really bad idea. So you just need to leave town, right, type of thing. It's, it's a convoluted tale, but um, short version is she married a man who was a ghoul, and they believe that their love would be enough to break this curse. It turns out that's not how that works. They're just idiots. <laughs> and she gave birth to these four um, ghouls. And wow. And they're kind of weird, half-breedy, strange things. And people are like, I've never heard of that thing before. What the fuck? Where are the rules for that? It doesn't matter. They're monsters. Right. They're things you have to deal yep. with. And they were things where people like, what's? why is she acting so weird? What's going on in the end? John figures this out, my buddy JR. And he's like, Huh. You know, if I were her, I might have done the same thing. This is kind of—it's creepy and disgusting, but she's all alone. Yeah, and she doesn't know what to do in the worst situation that she can't even imagine. A situation Situations bad. She's in it. Huh? How do we help her? It's our neighborhood. How do we help this woman? You know.
1: How so anyway, cr- how so, incredible so. is it that that was created? Like you're telling me this, I'm completely like I am bought in. Like I want to <laughs> know about the widow. I want to <laughs> know about how we figured it out. Like, yeah. and, and not to be not to be a fanboy to role playing, but. Yeah, I don't get that playing miniature games. I don't get that playing board games like that. That is no. so uniquely RPG.
0: Because you can build that. That story may not make sense or be effective or even allowed, quite frankly, at certain tables. There are some people who are like, look, I don't want children in danger. Yeah. I don't like this type of thing. I feel that this is a little too over the top. I don't like this. Uh, if they feel there's a sexual nature to something and they don't like that. And whenever I, I, I run for other groups um, at cons and I say, look. Is there anything that's bad? You know, we talk about that stuff in a, you can have that conversation. You can tell all sorts of different tales in a board game or miniatures game. If it's War, I love playing Warhammer armor fantasy minis, I get my ass kicked every time I have an ogre army. I'm suck at it, but I do it anyway. <laughs> um, the, the new rules don't even support my army. Fuck them. I'm doing it anyway. I still get my ass kicked. But the, the mythology around my ogre army is neat. It's in this little book I bought the ogre uh, book. I don't get to remake that myth. Yeah, I can I can have a battle where the ogres beat the goblins and then I can have another one. We can kind of tell a story, right. but there is no. Um, unless you do a lot of heavy lifting where now there are no more dwarves because the ogres ate them all. I mean, and then the poor guy who spent one hundred thousand dollars on dwarf miniatures because it's White Warhammer um, is like, oh, I can't use my army. It, it just doesn't work that way. No. You know? it's, it's almost it's... it's almost like a repeatable version of. Fuck, there's uh, Pandemic did it and a couple other ones did it. There are these where you put stickers on the board. The legacy games. The le- it's like a repeatable legacy yep. game.
1: You That's can play this thing
0: over and over again in this legacy mode where you put a big sticker on your map of Avalon that says, we blew this up. Yep. Wow. Throw it away. Go Here's the new map
1: of Avalon. Let's try it again. <laughs> That's so you know? cool. And you didn't lose any money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like putting stickers all over it, you know? Yeah. No, it's very true. And uh, it... um it's something very unique and and it's it's made me really happy to come back to it so guys we're going to take a quick break when we get back from this break i want to uh take advantage of the fact that brett has been around this whole time um and i want him to explain to me what happened while i was sleeping so we're going to talk about the world of rpgs and kind of cover what happened over the last 20 years we'll be right back Howdy friends, Craig here. You deserve a new playmat. Here on the third floor, we use mats by Mars. They are scratch resistant, waterproof, wet erase marker compatible, almost free of glare and lighter than neoprene. Mats by Mars gives you over 40 designs to choose from. You pick a mat, pick a design, and then you pick an overlay, like one for Marvel Crisis Protocol, Star Wars Legion, or even Malifaux 3rd Edition. Those overlays will really speed up your deployment and make the placement of objective markers so easy. Use our promotion code in the show notes to get a 10% discount on your first order. In the notes of your order, you can even request the third floor logo on your mat for free, That makes the best mat in the business even a little better. So get some new mats. Save yourself some money and help support the show. Go to matsbymars.com. All the details are in the show notes, including the discount code.
0: Hi, I'm Alexander Zdenczuk from Riga, Latvia, and I am a patron of Third Floor Wars, those guys open the beauty of Malafo 3rd edition to me and continue to provide tons of great content. You can support them too. Follow the links in the show notes below or search for Third Floor Wars at patreon.com.
1: What is it worth to you to get this podcast on a weekly basis? Is it worth a dollar a month, five dollars a month, twenty dollars a month? If you'd like to help support the work that we're doing here on Third Floor Wars, Please go buy our Patreon. We're at patreon.com/thirdfloorwars. There you can pledge at any level, any dollar amount. Whatever you give us will help us put out quality content on a regular basis and hopefully make tabletop gaming a little bit better for you every week. Time to give a shout out to our newest patrons. A big special thanks goes to James Kahn, Rage Quit Wire, Deckroll, Aloy, Robo Rotten, Jacob Suderman, Joshua Hatch, Donald Kroger John Fox and David Gadea because of you and the 100 plus that are supporting us on Patreon we're able to put out regular content on a weekly basis we appreciate it so um I just enrolled in uh, the history of role-playing games, and it's being taught by Brett, and I'm super excited for my first class, 101. (laughs) Uh, Brett is going to fill in for me um, everything that changed. So, Brett, I mentioned to you, it was early 90s when uh, I think I played my last game, and and what I was playing at that time was uh, GURPS was... D&D was the king right d and is yep. always the king but what it was also big is World of Darkness and GURPS yep. um, and I, I walk away from that and I come back and oh, holy shit like first of all I didn't have to under my breath say, "Oh yeah, by the way, this is our fifth date," and you know I kind of like I like playing role playing games. I like I like you can tell people right you know right out of the gate they're like I like role playing is like ooh the role playing games are cool yeah and so so that changed right and the like I I, I go to drive through RPG and I go to itch and it blows my mind like and you said it there you know if I want to play a female Russian that that flies a plane that drops railroad ties on Germans. There's a game and yeah. you can buy yeah. it for 5 bucks. Yep. Um so let's go back then Brett and um is what's the best way to kind of mark the last 20 years is it following what Wizards did or I think, like what are the phases that you when you look back on it now yeah. what has what changed?
0: I think one of the interesting things that happened and um people have said this before but like White Wolf with the vampire stuff the um they used to uh, tell the authors like, "You brought girls to my gaming store, thank you." Yeah. Um, the for whatever like it or hate it, the White Wolf system, Vampire in particular, really hit a zeitgeisty moment. And for a while there, White Wolf was like threatening the the TSR of the time. It right? Was. They were they were like so goddamn big. It was like crazy insane. It seemed to kind of implode where they did the Marvel thing where they kind of wrote themselves to a point where, like we have to end this and do a comic book reboot. And they lost a lot of people because of that. And then they've had their own terminals and stuff. But there was this this idea that gaming is no longer just Dungeons & Dragons or a variation on Dungeons & Dragons. GURPS, of course, could do all sorts of stuff. Call of Cthulhu has been a granddaddy out there forever. It has. But there has been, from my perspective, there was heavy, heavy fantasy and um, maybe some horror out there type of thing, right? And I think one of the things that Vampire did was it was very fantastic. It was like Pavlovian in the in the. It would make like some of your vampires that the power creep made twentieth level paladins look like pussies, right? I mean they right. were just like this amazing Pavlovian. Oh my god, you're a you know the, the power you could wield and the mages and all this stuff. It really kind of cracked open this other idea of kind of cross pollinating, I think. And then GURPS started doing. There was GURPS Vampire. There was GURPS Mage. GURPS got Steve Jackson Games got in on it. They GURPSed up some of that shit yep. to try to get people in on it. Um, Chaosium went through. Some pretty rough times where they couldn't pay people. With they've always from talking to people who've been in the industry, I only dabble in it, but people have actually lived in the industry. Like, yeah, Cassium's had its ups and downs. They yeah. I mean, have Sandy Peterson come back and buy them and try to get the ship back together. Um, and then a game like Delta Green comes out, and Delta Green is like. And people are like, oh, you got that idea from, you know, X-Files. No, honey. Yeah, it's that Weller yeah. and the Boys came with it a long time ago. No, yep. dude, just sit, sit down there, sweet cheeks. This is not how this works, buddy. You know, it, it, and that's just like some of the assholes out there. But generally speaking, I think so much stuff, uh, the big, big things hit. And uh, the men and women out there and a lot of the women I knew who were getting more and more into gaming, it was I was starting to go to cons like Gen Con stuff. I'd see more women. I was seeing more people who didn't look like me, which was really cool. Really cool. I started seeing um, basically I'm a white middle class dude. Um, I'm 47 and I still have, you know, I I still say words that I probably shouldn't sometimes. Um, uh, I uh, my daughter caught me the other day. I said something offhand like, oh, that's retarded. She's like, Dad, I'm like, sorry, sorry. It's an 80s thing. Damn it. I need to stop that. Yep. But I started looking around like, this is pretty cool. There's a lot of really kick-ass people here. I meet guys like um, I, I learned through this process that, hey, the the dude who wrote, you know, Cyberpunk is an African-American guy. Ponsmith is awesome. You start looking at it. Oh, my God, this is so cool. And yeah. I start seeing all this stuff because I'm going to cons now. And I think the um, White Wolf helped to kind of crack open the fact that you didn't have to be the stereotypical what they show on um, what do I want to say? Uh, there's a there's a TV show. Fuck, what the hell is it called? The uh, one nerd TV show. Uh, fuck, I can't remember what it's called. I'll come up with it eventually. But anyway, where, where they they pick on us like it's a bunch of nerdy kids with thick glasses. I play, I fight the wizard. I shoot the darkness. I mean, it was just it. It's cliche, and I get it. But now they're like, um, no, no, I'm this good looking African American dude, and I like playing vampires, man. Yeah. I remember going to LARPs and like, holy crap! There are some pretty, there's some pretty <laughs> cool looking people here, that, and they're not me. This is not, you know, my, my my old days of hiding in my mom's basement to play D and D so you didn't get picked on by the jocks. I had jocks there playing with me, right? You know, I had I'm six three, two forty. I had guys six five, built like brick shit houses, and they're trying and successfully playing a female Nosferatu. I'm like this is awesome. This is so yeah. cool. Oh wow! And I think. So when that hit kind of in the in the 90s, I really um, it made, in my opinion, the whole then TSR starts to go under. They just don't get it. They start to fall apart. Second edition, the last gasp. They splat book the shit out of it. They lost money. You you can read all about it. Mm -hmm. But when when Watsi bought them, there was this huge terror that there goes my game. You know, Wizards of the Coast. My guy's going to go to hell. And it got even worse when Hasbro bought Watsi. Yep. But. But really, WotC saved them, in my opinion. And yeah, third edition, not everybody's favorite. 3.5, again, people have all their issues with whatever. whatever, I've played every iteration except White Box. I own a White Box, never played it. But I I think what happened then is that the D20 open license hit, and somebody somewhere finally realized you cannot trademark a game mechanic. You can trademark other IP, but you can have Wisconsinopoly, Chicagoopoly, you can't IP it. And uh, wow, some bitch! Guess what I can do? And w- Watsy said, "Hey, you know the D20? It's out there. What do you want to do?" There's a D20 boom like crazy, and yeah. uh, that's where we get Paizo. That's where we get Pathfinder. Yep. And games like that, people started dabbling. In uh, the industry, like Paizo, they're hey, we're going to publish Dragon. We're going to do Dungeon. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Eric Mona's going to try this stuff. And next thing you know, they're like, look, you guys went to fourth edition. There's a lot of people who really like this other stuff. I bet you I could do something similar, call it Pathfinder. And, yep, lo and behold, the Unseen did the giant for a while. They were yep. the thing. And I, I think if I, I'm i kind of jumping all over here, man, but I, I really think that what when Vampire came in and kind of kicked it, and it became more popular, and you started to get less. There's still gatekeeping out there. Don't get me wrong, but you got more. You got more people who are saying, "You want to play? Yes, you can. Yep. You, ma'am, you want to play? They want to play. They're in. Don't care." And there's more of that coming, and the the hobby starts growing up, yep. and people are produ- producing stuff and saying, "Hey, I've got this really good other system," and everybody's playing one thing at their gaming group, they get bored with it, and they want to find out what else is out there. And the internet's getting bigger, man. You used to have to go to the game store to find out what was up. And if the dude, the gal, the whomever behind the counter, if he or she didn't want to order any GURPS stuff, you couldn't get GURPS in the store. Yep. Or if the or if the delivery was low. The reason I didn't get into Legend of the Five Rings was because the store within my town didn't think it would sell, so he never carried it. And you were screwed, you are done. Yeah, I, I could special order it and get it in a month. Yep. At that point, I'm young enough. I'm like, well, I got 20 bucks in my pocket right now. I'll buy this thing instead. I want to buy something today, you know? Yep. So there was not a Legend of the Five Rings for Brett because it just wasn't available to me. And I couldn't afford to go to every con and buy all this stuff. But now when the internet grows in, it really kicks in. It goes from bulletin board systems. We all know that story. And now we're DriveThruRPG and blogs, podcasts. Yep. Everybody's talking about it. Matt Mercer can get swamped walking through PAX East. And stop the whole fucking show. Yep. Right? It's insane. And it's become... And always, like I said, the gatekeepers are out there and they need to be removed because they're obnoxious. But generally speaking, they're getting bum-rushed by everybody else who doesn't give a fuck what they have to say. And they're crushing into this really kick-ass hobby of creativity. I can pandemic hit Sean and I talked about this The pandemic hit I mean I can't believe roll 20 those guys just didn't collapse under the weight of everybody gaming virtually right yeah.
1: it's what brought me back
0: yeah really oh cool yeah. that's very cool and I, I think the the other opportunities to play with people I don't have to go out and just look in my neighborhood I don't have to go to my game store put a sticker on the wall that says I want to play D&D and just Please Lord, let it not be a pack of jerks. <laughs> you know, you can you can find people. And and Watzi did some cool stuff with their organized play. Yeah. You know, the adventure pathing stuff, the organized play that Paizo did. Whether you like or hate organized play, it got people to come to a store and do different things. Sean and I bag on the RPG industry for being really shitty at marketing, worse than Brett sometimes. And it's they're trying. It's not it's not necessarily a sweet spot, but I really think people now. I can produce a game setting like Avalon, tie into something, not get sued by TSR because yep. I tied into their game system. I can do it legit, follow all the rules, and talk about it, and have friends of mine buy it, and talk to other friends, talk to you, and get this stuff out there. And if I talk to somebody and say, hey, I heard about this new game, someone goes, really, tell me about it. You know, we all want it. we want to hear about this stuff. So, I don't know, man. I I really think when you, when you stepped aside, I think what happened was just kind of this bum rush, if you will, kind of a bad term. But this this rush of people that are like, look, I'm here to play this other game. I don't you know, I'm going to dress like a vampire. I'm pretending I'm a werewolf. I'm doing this other thing. I don't want to be a dwarven fighter anymore. I want to do this other thing. And other gaming companies and people were making games and stuff from Brett's perspective went. There's a lot of desire and demand out there. People want to do different things. Not everybody wants to kill dragons right now or kill orcs or whatever in the realms. They want to do other cool shit. Yep. And I really think it exploded. And the whole, there's a bizarre zeitgeist around like the vampire stuff. Hit that when it comes and then watch like horror do its thing. Sci-fi is really cool. You got guys like Monty Cook and other really good designers out there figuring out, you know, this is what's, I like this thing. Let's keep it, let's keep it warm and wait to see what happens. Let's don't release everything all the time. You know, let's not have a big bloated company of developers and designers that are going to put off 5,200 splat books. Don't do that, you know? It, so I don't know if that answers your question at all, but it, it's kind of a muddy, it's, it's weird to, for me to look back on it.
1: It, it is, and, it, and it, it's the first time. So I think somewhere I knew uh, Vampire opened the door, right? And then mm-hmm. you also have the uh, transition to fourth, Opens completely yes. opens shit up, right? So so Pathfinder mm. becomes a thing, and you have a splintering uh, that happens, and people can shit on fourth all day long. But fourth introduced a lot of people to role playing, a lot
0: of people. I, I I've pl- I've played it. It wasn't necessarily a system for me, but I totally get why yeah, people love it. Yeah, I, I mean, totally it, get it. I've tried it. I can I get
1: yeah, it. it um, we, we we can shit on it all day long, but um, there's no question that it opened up the industry. And then fifth is fifth, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. What I'd be curious to know, though, is and I feel like it feels to me, even though, again, you know, I've only been here for a year and a half. Right. But it feels like to me within the last five, maybe six years, there was another dam that broke. And, and I would wonder what that was in your mind.
0: In my mind, I think it has to do with um, that. There's a little bit of the Matt Mercer effect. Right. You know the critical role stuff, that, that hits and becomes more popular. Kids today like their Twitch. You know, I, I'm just kind of figuring Twitch out myself because I'm getting to be older. old are so old. Um, <laughs> I know, it just sucks. <laughs> but I, you know, and the hobby in general, um, I think it's kind of interesting because uh, role-playing gamers, we find a way to exploit every piece of technology. Yeah. As soon as computers came out and my friends and I could get home computers, is what I'm talking about, came out, right? Where we could find them and get them. The first things we started to do was how do we make an online character sheet? I.e., what, how, do, how do I use the spreadsheet to make a character sheet? How do I make random dice tables? Yeah. How do I get on a bulletin board and tell somebody this really cool gaming idea I have? We find spots to game. And um, I think with um, online publishing, the ability to put stuff out, blogging, podcasting, the ability for people to talk about ideas, get a fan base and put things together, which is again kind of almost bizarrely back to Seth Godin's Tribes yeah. book. But if you can if you can find 50 60 people that really like your idea and and I really think this is important, at least it is to me, is I'm doing it because I want to. Yeah. I have a job. I, I make fine money. I'm, I'm good. I'm not rich by any stretch. I don't would never claim to be right. But I'm comfortable. I'm fine. I got five kids and a wife. Some of my kids are in college. Some are moved
1: off. We're good. But you have other shit you could do on a Monday night. But yet you Absolutely. Consi- consistently sit down with Sean and record a, yeah. a goddamn podcast. Yeah.
0: So that so we can do that, though, because it's fun. Yeah. And I make Avalon because it's fun for me. I want to do this. I want to throw it out there. And other people are making these really cool games. Yes, some people do make a living doing it. But a lot of people are like, you know what? We'll see what happens. It's a part-time thing. Yeah. It's a little... You grab Matt Forbeck, who has written God knows how many different books and novels and shit for role, role-playing games, comics, and other stuff. And if you said, Matt, how do you do it? He he told me this to my face. He goes, you can't do what I did because what I did doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. The way I got here... Because Matt's like my age or older. He's like, you you... I can't tell you, go to England, meet a girl, don't date the girl, move back here. I, I said, I can't tell you because that, that path doesn't exist. Yeah. Half the game companies don't exist. Um, it, so I, I think that people finding out that you can do, you can have some fun, you can produce some, some content, you can play all sorts of games. Um, when people are like, hey... Um, well, I just like playing first edition AD and D. Guess what? There's a whole goddamn community of people out there. Somebody Thousands out there likes big eyes, fucking people. <laughs> yeah. Somebody likes big eyes, small mouth. And there's a, I run into those communities periodically. They play big eyes, small mouth all the time. Yep. I have no interest in that game at all. I know people that love it and I'm like, good on you. Go for it. Yep. I, people love Alternity they love weird games that I know of I mean I like Amber Diceless which is a weird ass Eric Wujic Diceless game system and I know people who hate me for it and they're like oh it's the stupidest thing ever whatever there's a very active Amber community yep if I really wanted to dive into it it exists and the beauty of this format in this podcast we're doing Craig and the ability to go online and find people yeah. in a constructive way you know RPG net there's always problems somebody out there's being a douche yep but generally speaking, if you can wade through that, it doesn't take too long and you can find your tribe pretty quick. And yeah. I think that that has it's kept some properties alive that could or should be dead. I agree. I thought I thought Cyberpunk was dead as Dillinger, <laughs> but here's Pond <laughs> Smith and it's like Cyberpunk Red. I'm like, motherfucker, he's back. Yeah. He's awesome. Um, bring it, you know? It, it's yeah. And that's the other thing that's cool is that we are now, those of us who grew up with that stuff if we're doing the right thing with our hobby and right things may be too strong, but I'm like, Ooh, I really like this thing. Is anyone doing it? You know? And you look at a guy like Pondsmith who says, Hey, I'm going to put out cyberpunk red. I'm in. Well, where do I buy a copy? I have some disposable income. I will buy a game or support a Kickstarter even if I'm not sure about it, simply because I want to make sure that dude and that person and her, yes, her, I want to make sure she makes the game she wanted to because that sounds yep. kick-ass. And it's five bucks to support it. Here's a $5 bill. Go make it happen. And that's and that's really cool. Kickstarter blew the lid off of what you can make, where you can make, what's viable, what's not. I like Matt Colville. Dude made over a million dollars on his first yep. big Kickstarter. Holy yeah. balls john wick million plus on 7c holy shit balls you know it's it's people that are like look i might not even play 7c but i don't care i want to make sure that game is back because it's awesome
1: yeah and you're noting a lot of things that uh, dennis Dowiller talked to me about was was the the breakdown of the uh supply chain and the old school gatekeeping that happened in production and and dennis was talking about like it's all gone now like like it I was going
0: to say if anybody yeah. knows, Dennis does because that dude—he's outspoken, yep. he's smart, he's wicked—he's wicked smart, and he knows that shit. Yeah. In and out. He's, yeah, if he if he said it, I you. And you what I bet loved
1: about it. what Dennis said was Dennis was like, "Look, if you've got an idea, and it's not out there, that's on you. Now it doesn't mean you need to do it, but don't sit here and bitch that you know I can't get published. Fuck you. <laughs> go get go publish yourself. Yeah, there's like the, 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 those yeah, those those roadblocks are gone."
0: Yeah, they're absolutely gone. And I, how did I do it? I started a podcast with my buddy, started talking around. I'm like, huh, I want to do a thing. Who do I know that can help me do a thing? Yep. Encoded. They can do that. Misdirected Mark. They do stuff. They talk about it. They like me. I like them. I'll ask them. If they said no, guess what? I'd have found somebody else. Or I figured out how to make an ugly ass PDF and put it on drive through well, myself. I'd have done something. And
1: It's something that's really cool. Like, there's a lot of things happening here, right? So one... So there was a generation before us, Brett, in role-playing, but it was a very tiny generation, right? It was the Gygax generation. It was the late late 60s, yeah. early 70s guys, and they were so tiny that I think that that our generation is the first generational handoff. I think it's the first time that, like, we're teaching our kids, like, I'm teaching my seven-year-old daughter how to role-play using a little system, and you're teaching your kids how to role-play. The fact that Tim Kask is still alive,
0: Right. Frank Messner yep. still alive. They have taught untold num- numbers of people, right? Uh, Ernie Ernie Gygax still alive. Luke Gygax still alive. These guys, I mean, Lucas not that much older than I am, if at all. Um, so we're not that far away from the beginning, because these guys were our dads, right? So it's it's not that far away, and I think <clears throat> you're right. There's there's a level of handoff we're doing now, where I got into it in third grade, and now I have enough stuff on my shelf. Yep. I give it to my kids. Try this. Read this. Do this. Try this. You know, some don't like it. Some do, and you just you work with it. And I, I and again, I'm not ashamed of it. And that's another thing too is I have not taught my kids. My wife is was very big on this. Is like, look if they're if they're nerdy kids, they're nerdy kids. Make sure you support them. Don't relive the nervousness you had yeah. through them. She's she's brilliant at that. She's smarter so than I'm you, like yeah. Hey, that's that's a good point. <laughs> oh wait for oh fuck yeah. Wait 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 wait. Oh yeah. I married the same. Yeah. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be anywhere without her on this. No joke. No joke. Anyway, it's, we're doing stuff because we love this thing. And I'm sharing that passion with my children, which carries over. I like hunting. I like Taekwondo. I like hiking outside, like dogs, all this crap. So my kids, guess what? They're interested in some of the things I am. Yeah. They'll they'll grow up and probably change and not like something totally fine. Do what you gotta do. But you're right. We're, we are actively handing stuff over because grandpa isn't here anymore Right. So now I'm telling you, this used to be your grandfather's. Go try this thing. And that's cool.
1: When I came back, the other big landmark that I saw Mm -hmm. was uh, Apocalypse World and what um, Megan Keith Baker made. Oh, yeah. And then that has created a whole industry and a whole uh, just unbelievably inclusive, amazing part of role playing. Um, Absolutely. It's big. can, Can you go back? In your head, Brett, and talk to me about when Apoc- Apocalypse World came out and when Powered by the Apocalypse came and I on so from my perspective,
0: man, I did not pay much attention to it. Um it was a thing that was out there. I'd go to conventions uh, like Gen Con and I would see stuff about it. I go, huh. Interesting. Interesting. I'm not sure I'm not sure I like that. And I I'm I'm a lore guy, I'm a yeah. world, I'm a setting guy. Um, which is a very old school way to go. Now people are, at least I think it's old school. And so far as that now people are like, I like this mechanic. I'm going to find the guys that do this mechanic really well. I'm going to find out what game system she's made. And I'm going to buy that world that uses the mechanics because she wrote the setting for this really cool mechanic that ties the mechanics I Think That's what I want. I am still, I still personally struggle with the curated experience because I didn't grow up doing that. I grew up, needing to hone my jamming skills to make sure that I curated the experience. And now we've got some really kick-ass designers out there doing a lot of the heavy lifting for me. And sometimes like, oh, I like doing that, <laughs> which, is, which is fine. Yeah. But once I started to pay attention to it and listening to it as it started coming up, and I'm like, huh, people really, really dig this. I read the rules. Yeah. I'm like, huh, I don't know if I like that. It's not for me. But that was my first reaction. But I can tell you, I'm watching people play it. I uh, I played a session of Dungeon World. Uh, Chris ran it. Uh, Christine Zach ran it for me and Tom and a couple of other folks. And I'm like, eh, kind of fun. Don't still don't know if it's like my go to, but if you right. threw a PBTA game in front of me, like I'll try that. What the fuck? Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll give it a go. Um, and I think that one of the things that it did though is that it really. You power by the apocalypse, power by the apocalypse, PBTA, PBTA, a lot of places you go and there's a ton of different games that are using that mechanic or variation on that theme to curate the right type of tone and everything that they want. And the, there's a cool there's a cool piece of that. I, I think that's really yeah. neat. And when you talk about go publish it yourself, I can have a really cool setting idea and somebody else has already made some really cool mechanics. All I got to do is call up Eloy Lasanta Santa and say, hey, man, I like this PIP system thing. You mind if I do this thing with Avalon? Go big guy, make it happen. I mean, it's amazing, that, isn't it? Yeah, and and that's the other cool thing is that people are open as long as you're not being a dick and you're not trying to steal or you know any kind of that crap. If you, you talk to these designers, when I wanted to do when my buddies and I were doing our little application, our little character sheet app, we did um, uh, D20 stuff because we knew hey like, we need to capture that. And I got a hold of Shane Hensley. And my buddy and I talked to him. He's like, you know what? Yeah, what the hell? I'll give you a five-year license. Go do that. That sounds cool. Do, do some Savage World shit. That sounds fun. Yep. We go to Gen Con, and he said, "Uh, somebody was here, you guys, uh, Dark Theater guys, come up here and tell us about what your app does for us. Sure thing. I had my T-shirt on, stood up there. I told 50, 60 Savage Worlders what my app did. That was fucking awesome. You didn't have to do that. But that's just one of those... Um, the industry has a, I think because we're the we're the dads now we got it from our dads and I'm giving it to my kids but we're like hey man what what you doing cool stuff point look at that Craig's doing something yep. cool he's got something cool what do you got there Craig tell me about it and then if I want to do something cool with you I ask you and I don't sit back and say, "Well, I don't know if I could," because uh, it's not a job. I'm not looking to get a career with you. I'm not looking to break into TSR hobbies and get an office or across from Tim Kaskin, you know, and, and Moldave or somebody. I, I'm not looking for that. I'm just looking to produce this little thing that I think is cool. And if it makes it big, neat. If I learn, yep. if I ever learn how to, you know, push my product, great. You know. <laughs> but I, I think that. PBTA was people were like, well, D20, that system's out there, but I'm I'm tired of that glut. I want to do something different with a with a different type of mechanic. Is anybody else going to let me do that? Yeah. Hey, I'm PBTA. Do what you got to
1: do, man. And (laughs) it was that that simple. Well, and that's from my understanding, and I'm interviewing the bakers next week. um, But but that's my understanding is that they have been unbelievably just free. With with Power by the Apocalypse, and they're like, all you have to do, from my understanding, all you have to do is just get in touch with them. And say, I have this cool idea, can I use it? And they're like, yeah, <laughs> and that's it. Like now you can go fucking do it. Yeah, yeah.
0: which is to Del- to, <laughs> Del- to Del- <laughs> Del- point, right? Is the it's on it's you can't sit back and complain that the thing I want isn't there. Yeah, because you can make it yourself. What you should yep. say is, oh, the thing I want isn't there. I wish I knew how to do it. Boy, I just don't have the skill. You know, eh, I hope somebody does it. You know, there's a there's a different argument. You can't just whine and complain. Because you reach out to Shane Hensley and say, hey, I, I'd like to do this Savage Worlds thing. What do you think? I, he doesn't turn people down either. It's a PBTA is out. You ask, you can get. Um, people said that Pelgrane, there's no way Pelgrane will ever be able to do a Cthulhu type game because Cassim will never let him. There it is.
1: <laughs> or I hear about a game and I'm like, this is cool. I want to talk to this person. Nobody has said no. Nobody has said no to me. Everybody's coming on my show, and I'm a nobody, and and that that's a testament to the industry that that people want to have these discussions that that they're excited about it and they want to talk about it. Um, so I've been, Brett, you know, in in different pockets of conversations. I've gotten into different groups and different circles as I've gone through and you know spent the last year you know getting into this part of the industry. Um, the one thing that I think is very interesting, I want to ask you this question. So when I tell you. Something is powered by the apocalypse. What do you think that means? Uh, My assumption is that
0: they're using 2d6 and um, you have the usual PBTA um, fail forward terminology. You also have the when you fail, it's interesting and that type of stuff. That's my that's my go to. It's um, uh, a narrative system that try to that tries to use dice to further the narration. Got it. That's how I see it.
1: Um. And I've heard people attribute this to PBTA, and and it may not be necessary, but one of the things that I noticed that changed too is the load on the GM has lightened over the last 20 years. It used to be the GM had the world. He described everything. You rolled the dice. If you failed or succeeded, he described to you what happened. When I came back, I quickly realized that suddenly the phrase of, okay, you failed. What happened? that you asked the player when did that happen because that's new to me and i love it right and i've heard people attribute that to pbta but i don't know if it deserves to be attributed there
0: i think pbta um because of the proliferation of it it becomes very popular and it becomes so much cognitive load to have one person and have that poor game master have her staring at that list and say okay well, how is this an interesting way to fail And I think the people who are drawn to that have naturally done back and forth with their with the group. They've they've done that. My my team and I, team or crew, whatever I always call them, but we've always done that type of thing. Right. Like if somebody we we talk back and forth, wouldn't it be cool if? Or I think this is how this should fail. Not every group likes that. And I think um, you know what is it? I think Cipher System is all player facing dice. Yeah. And uh, Simba Room um, by Free League. One of the things I like about that. Waiting for my books get my shit to me free league <laughs> um is all player facing yeah um uh, uh let's see gumshoe very player very dice much so heavy very much so and i think there is there's some fun that the players want to have um some say some power because the this concept of and this may just be a an aversion to that old stereotype of the game master being a a total prick and uh you die because i said so and you know blue lightning bolt hits you and your character dies because i don't like the way you're playing your your paladin you know yes that did happen in small pockets of stupid people but generally you know good gaming where that didn't happen in my opinion um and i think again though people are saying that's cool Brett that you figured out how to uh source your table that's great that you sorted that out that's that's wonderful good job buddy but I would like to do it and not have to spend 15 years learning how. Yeah. Can I fast track this? Because I got men and women at my table and they'd like to be able to play tonight. And they'd like not to have to stumble fumble their way through me learning this thing. Yep. And those those folks, when when somebody's <clears throat> when somebody's up there doing that and she's like, hey, I got this. And can do it and say, well, now's the time where fantasy flight game says with um with a problem or how i can't sean always cracks me on the terminology because he's better at fantasy flight star wars and stuff but you you can you can roll those dice and source the table and the mechanics tell you you're supposed to do that yeah and it codifies sometimes yeah sometimes all it takes is a codification and authority yep in a weird way where somebody looks at you and says yes you yes you Yes, you, madam, you may do this thing. Yes, you, sir. You right there, you, you jackass, you can do this. And it says so right in the rules, I'm supposed to do this. And it gives you some cool examples. Yep. How am I supposed to do it? As opposed to Brett saying, well, just source the table for an idea. Next. That how? If I don't tactically know how to source the table yeah. because there's nothing codified around it. Yep. GMing advice is always gonna be there, I think. Yep. Because even with the even with it out there, somebody's gonna try the codified rule and say, I tried it, man, it just fucking blew up in my face. I can't figure it out. Somebody help me. Craig, have you done this? Does it work for you? Yeah. Tell me how you did. I, what I did was X. We're always going to trade secrets like yep. this. That's going to happen. But the curated codified system that gives you permission, as corny as that sounds. permission's is a good it word. Gives you, it gives you examples on how it works. Yep. You know, and that's the other fun thing that's out there now is actual plays. Some actual plays are better than other teaching you stuff. But even if you're just watching them or listening to them or whatever it is, there's enough people out there who are passionate, politely passionate about what they like and how they want you to succeed with what they're succeeding with. They're you, th- those folks are going to help you get better. Yeah, yeah. So I think that helps.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And it um, it's really it's very it makes me very happy, Brett, to come back to the industry and to see it in a much better place than I left it. Um, and this gets into everything we've already talked about with the inclusion and and the, the doors are much wide opener, wide opener. Mm-hmm. I like that phrase. That's um, good. It, i was an english major that <laughs> it, it, it it all of that made me makes me very very happy and it's way ahead of the miniature industry um because the miniature industry is still pretty much just a bunch of white dudes um yeah it it is and i it's unfortunate and i and i know it's
0: better i've had the, but not I've like r- not like I, rpgs no i've had this argument with people where they actually want to fight with me in some way shape or form so what do you mean it's better i'm like dude look my daughter wants to play this game yeah my daughter's gay. Why, why? Why? Why should she be? Why should she be uncomfortable and feel terrible because of this? Yeah. Why? 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 Why should that even? What? Why are we you having know, and, this fucking conversation? Yeah. This is just so <laughs> stupid, you know. And I think some of the. I hope anyway. I hope that there's there's enough good gamer parents out there yeah. that some of us who grew up with stupid ideas and. Bad information. I am one of those stupid guys who had bad intel and had bad points of view. When we grow up, we have our kids and we get married and we learn things and we're trying to get better. We look at stuff like, you know what else I should do? I should make sure that this is better for my children than it is for me. Yeah. Right. And when I've I've talked to Tim Cass, Ed Greenwood and some of the old guard, and I have yet to hear when I've heard Tim Cass talk, when I've talked to Ed Greenwood and a couple other old dudes, they're like, this is pretty cool. Yeah. It's bring cool. a lot of really good gaming going on. I like seeing I like seeing the mix. I've heard that before. Ed Greenwood would be like this is pretty cool. We got a lot of good folks here. We got got men, women, all sorts of people yep. gathered together. This is neat, and that's that's the type of language we want to hear. We want to hear people saying, "Hey, this looks this looks like what this looks like how I envisioned this thing to be from the beginning. It's starting to get there. This is for everybody." Everybody can play. You might not like playing with me because it turned out to be a total different That's bag, a, a different conversation. But that's yeah. Different problem.
1: Totally different problem. Yeah. You know, that's my personality. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's nothing to do with
1: what you look like, yeah. you know. Yeah. It um it's interesting to me, um, because in all of Nerdum, uh not all of Nerdem's so anime is ahead of the curve too. But in a lot of Nerdum, you don't see how far along RPGs is. And in it uh I my wife has zero interest. In any of my geekery the reason i have a third floor to my house for is so all my geek shit is out of her face and she doesn't have to fucking look at it right um but i brought this subject up to my wife once and she's like craig of course rpgs is ahead of the curve look what you do when you play role-playing games it, it, it's inclusive by design and i'm like "Shit, never thought about that i guess it kind of is you know we're all kind of like pretending and learning and putting other people's skins on and you know kind of doing our thing which is cool it's good stuff. It really is. Brad, I can't thank you enough, man. I um, oh, appreciate l- it. The only thing worse than recording once a week is recording two podcasts in a week. So I appreciate you uh, uh, taking the time. I want to get here sooner. And then I thought, well, right after I had spine
0: surgery um where i had part of my neck fused and i'm like well i should be okay the week after that while i'm recovering turns out um never having had major surgery before i was tired i couldn't do it so i owed you i
1: already put you off a week so i had to get this done <laughs> well it, it um and we're going to come up with an excuse to have you back on the show i gotta get sean on the show too um cool. uh for those of you listening um, i'm gonna have links to everything um here and i know that um a lot of you are biting at the bit uh, to pick up street so i'm going to put uh, a link on the best place to pick that up and uh i also will link to the podcast because like like I said, if you're not listening to Gaming and BS, you're missing out. Um, Brett, is there any plugs that I missed?
0: No, I think Gaming and BS.com, that's the biggest one. I mean, um, Encoded Designs, if you go to their website, you can find uh, in their products list, my Streets of Avalon pro- project out there, um, drive RPG Streets of Avalon. You can find that, plus everything else we've done for it, the adventures and so on. Um, quite frankly, the I, I like... The fact that my podcast with Sean and I, uh, we find guys like Craig, which is you're a cool dude. And that's what I like. I want to have more people hanging out with us. And one of the things that Sean and I, um, we bemoan ourselves sometimes You're like, man, I, I, we like hearing from all of our listeners and not everybody um, is always going to write in or call in or whatever the case is. But we would love to hear some new voices. To hear some, some new people saying, Hey, I listen to, and I disagree with you. Sometimes we get some people who are very, very friendly and very, very polite. We're like, dude, call my bullshit. <laughs> call me out. If you think I'm <laughs> full of crap, if I say something dumb, say so. Because I think one of the things that, that you do here, Craig, and that Sean and I do, I'm very proud of is we are not the authority. No, we're here to talk with you. You just not, don't happen to be on the mics with it, but we're here to talk with you to, to try to help, Yep, you know, cause I have learned so much from our listeners over the last six years, it's amazing. Yeah. I am a better game master and player because of my listeners. I it's, I, 100%. Couldn't, could not agree more. Could not agree more.
1: All right, guys. Uh, for those of you that stuck around to the end, thanks for listening. Take care. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch so you don't miss the avalanche of content we create. Links are in the show notes. Be sure to check out our shop on thirdfloorwars.com for the latest in gaming apparel and gear. There you'll also find the latest information for the U.S. Faux Tour. Find out where you rank in your conference or even in the entire United States. Get those models built, painted, and ready so we can see you at the next U.S. Faux Tour Masters event. Please take a moment to write a review of this pod on your favorite platform. Rating and reviewing helps us find more listeners almost as cool as you are. Be sure to share this feed with all of your friends who love tabletop gaming. Thanks for listening. Howdy folks, Craig here. Now, if you love gadgets as much as we do, you're going to love the new Third Floor Wars Gadget Bundle from Schooner Labs. Branded with the logo of your favorite podcast, it comes with two measuring multi-tools. A compass stepper for those tight and important movements, along with a compact dashboard to track your turn, strat, and scheme scoring along with your soul stones and pass tokens it is the perfect bundle for anyone who plays malifaux or just wants to look cool while doing it the link is in the show notes check them out and help support your favorite gaming podcast all right my friends so what's going to happen now is you're i'll send you i'll send you a list of links please do that if you yeah and like i said it's not this is going to come out probably mid-may um so there's there's no fucking rush um, and uh, this was a huge favor, man, uh, to, oh, to no take worries. the time. And if there's something I can do for you in return, just let me know. Um, no problem. All right. I told um, one of our one of our uh, listeners, Eric
0: Frankhouse. We know, the Iron GM. He's been Iron GM champion a few times. He's a, he loves Blades in the Dark, and he's been giving Sean and shit that we need to play with him. He heard us say we're gonna play with Craig, and he's like, "The fuck!" <laughs> so I got this, te- I got this text. I'm like, "Dude, I'm gonna drag you with me." So don't be surprised if if I drag Frank House. Well, to well the let's just too. have
1: Frank House be the third guy, and let's the four of us play. Yeah. Um, I'm so thinking. I'm thinking like Mayish. Um, yeah. I'll bug you guys. I'm I'm busy as fuck until then. Um, so no worries. Uh, let's look. Like, let's just shoot out. Let's do a session zero in May, and then we can feel it out from there cool brother yeah. all right awesome take care man Later. cheers bye all right totally blew through a break and it makes me super happy that was a really good segment man okay cool really really cool
0: i talk a lot so i'm sorry if i'm too much uh,
1: you know what it what? Would... so the my goal with that segment uh when i was thinking about today is like i don't how do i put this you'll you'll understand what i'm saying um everything i read about streets mm-hmm. didn't make it unique to me Yep. but i knew that it was unique right so so i was trying to tease that out and we totally got it good and that, that just makes me super happy
0: i hope when you read it 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 comes through like i said it's kind of it's one of the pieces wait. where it's one of those pieces where you know i you talk something up and this is where the nervousness comes in what if craig reason goes that's crap
1: <laughs> or wow I'll, that's i am just posting in the discord <laughs> damn it <laughs> But it's I'll, also it's I'll do also a video of me deleting our interview. Oh sad. <laughs> but it's also
0: highly and I and I admit it and I'll um I don't wouldn't like it, but I wouldn't also wouldn't mind if you said, you know what, Brett, I read it. I get what you were trying to do. I just it doesn't work for me. And that's legit. Yeah. I'm I'll be disappointed that it didn't work for Craig, but you know what, at the end of the day, if it doesn't work for you, man, it doesn't work. And there's no point for me to try to go, no, 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 you're doing it. Oh, if only, if only uh you know that's now I'm hard selling don't do that exactly
1: exactly and and let's be on not everybody's gonna fucking love it
0: no they're not they're not Um, gonna I got friends of mine that I'm sure don't like it
1: (laughs) yeah well I I told you like my favorite thing is to get you know nice notes from readers and stuff my second favorite thing is to read the reviews on my podcast on iTunes yeah And, and and it's the shitty ones like, like the ones that just ripped me apart. I'm like, oh, this is fucking great. I love. I love that you hated my shit so much yeah. that you took the time to write it down. That's where that's
0: where uh, Sean and I called the, the mudskipper because we had a guy. Mudskipper was his tagline, and he uh, his username, whatever. And he just and he said we were terrible, cringeworthy, and blah blah blah. I'm like, all right, whatever. You don't like me, turn it off.
1: Well, I just love the fact that that that, that I had enough of an impact that you even took the time to shit on me. Yeah, that's kind of <laughs> interesting.
0: It's weird, but okay.
1: Yep oh it's funny all right um so it, it, literally what i what i said uh, before we broke but I, I just want to take advantage of the fact that you have s- so i saw like i left one and i came back and everything had changed and i yeah. I, I was hoping that you could walk me through what happened i tr- that sound good all i'll right. try thought that was very very interesting um you know how that pieced together and mother fucker i had a question for you and i completely fucking <laughs> lost it oh uh, what was i going to ask you it was really good too um ah, fuck i can't remember. <laughs> that's anyway, right <laughs> um it, 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 the reason i asked oh that was terrible man. <clears throat> all right This is the part um, that I know nothing about. So I have I've yet to reach Streets of Avalon. I've ordered it. I haven't gotten in the mail yet. Um, right. And uh, but it's going to give me, I think, a unique perspective because I think a lot of our listeners don't know about it either. So totally fine. Um, all right. I'll bring us back. Hey, are you still here? Look, uh, the podcast is over. And you sat through all of the breaks and bloopers? Well, I mean, if you're here, you might as well run over to patreon.com and become a supporter. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast too while you're at it on whatever platform you're listening to. I do appreciate you sticking around. Take care.